This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts... Joe Lanza. X out. Go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I love you. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I am Rich Cranch alongside, as always, a man who has achieved godlike status and a very good family man. Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? I can't believe you're sticking to that godlike status one. It's, it's working. Yeah, it's it's kind of working. It, it it's uh it's got a nice flow to it, and uh, I mean, hey, it it is what the listener said, so I can't you know I can't deny it. I think your plan is just to do it every week until I'm embarrassed, and then it like turns into a thing where have you like, ever been ashamed of your self confidence ever? No, yeah. But, so, let's, like, let's be honest. I, that's probably not going to happen. So I got to be honest. I watch um, I watch Cody get, you know get introduced on these AEW shows where he like rises up from beneath the arena and this epic music plays and there's lights and the lights are turned off. I'm like, that's how I should enter the flagship. Well, you do. It's just nobody sees it. I mean, that's, we just don't have video, but. Well, if we ever do a video simulcast, that's the kind of entrance I want. Sure. You'd also have to wear pants though. And that's going to be an issue. Uh, Pants would be an issue. I I am. In fact, I'm not wearing pants right now. (laughs) Please tell me wearing underwear at least. No, I am. I got, okay. Yeah. The boxer brief gimmick, you know? And, uh, you know, a, a, and of course the white tee, which is always a size too small to oh, show off the guns, you know, <laughs> could you be more yeah. stereotypical? <laughs> no, I could not. Is there a mustard stain on it too? Like, oh, there's no stains, you know, Clean. Yeah. I, uh, when I cook, I'll put on like an old tattered one that's stained because it's going to be a mess, you know, but you know, I like, you know, when the wife comes home, rich, she deserves to come home to a man, you know, in some boxer briefs and a, and, a, and a white tee one size too small where the chest and the guns are just she, 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 she works just hard all day exploding out of them yeah. yeah she works hard all day and deserves to come home you know one day i'll be woefully out of shape and i'll look like a stuffed sausage when i put on this outfit and i won't do it anymore you know you gotta take advantage of it did you hear did you happen to hear um over on the competition, Rich, did you happen to hear Dave Meltzer's existential crisis oh he had? Oh, my God. Yes. That was incredible. Yeah. So people that don't know, it was uh, this morning's uh, Wrestling Observer Radio uh, with Brian Alvarez and, and Dave Meltzer. And uh, yeah, Dave Meltzer basically goes on and talks about how it's his 60th birthday today. And and really, for the next 25 minutes, takes you on a uh, a journey through the mind of a Dave Meltzer. And it is... It is as joyful as he's been in in a long time, and there's points where Brian's breaking down. Like it is, it is great audio. I will not lie. I was, I was, I was just bursting out laughing on my ride home, especially when he's he's mimicking the weights talking to him. I'm just like, what is going on? Like, this is unbelievable. And he's like weaving you through like his genetics and like the fact that Bruno San Martino told him when he was 58, that's when you stop, you know, developing muscle or something like that. Like, what is going on? Like, I thought Dave was like high or something, man. He was. On a, he was on a thing for sure. He started off 
very melancholy would be the word I'd use that he was turning 60, right? Almost like a man confronting his mortality. Sure. Right. Which you do on a daily hourly basis. So I do. Uh, yeah. I am obsessed with death and it, it just consumes me. And I wish I could stop thinking about death because it, it, it's, it's just, it's bad, but look, 60 is a big one, right? What are the big ones? 30 is a big one, right? In terms of kind of coming to grips with aging, like sure. 30 oh, is yeah, a big yeah, one. Yeah. Um, I think 50 is probably a big one, right? And 60 is kind of a big one. After 60, I don't think there's any more big ones. I think because once you hit like 70, you're, you're just pretty much as old as fuck after 60. You're, you're pretty fucking old once you're like, I don't think 70, 80, those matter like in terms of a mental thing. But 60s a pretty I, – I think – you think 60s a big There's one? There's a threshold a, there. Yeah, you're, you're old. I mean, I, and you've really – I think at this point you start opening up new, like, you know, things that you can get and senior discounts and whatnot. Like 60 is a big one. 60 does sort of change the game a little bit because 50 you still feel like, all right, you got a little bit of energy and whatnot. And, yeah, I feel like 60 – and I think it's because you said, like, there is no landmark until you're, like, 100. <laughs> you know what I mean? There is no other – after 60, right. it's just like, well, I'm just old. And then you're just old, like – when you turn 70, nobody gives a shit that you turn 70. You're just old. You've been old. We know you're old. Like, And then 80 is, wow, you're getting really old. And then, yeah, 90, it's like, ah, all right. And then, yeah, 100, it's like, wow, you're really old and you're still alive. How is that happening? And then you die pretty quickly after. So, Yes. But he's having like this existential crisis and it's, it's sad. But then he kind of morphed into like being at peace with it. Then he's talking about how the weights in the gym talk to him. And he had this, he had this gimmick voice for the weights. Rich, I'm not making any of this no, up. No, you're not. I thought I thought people were being like a little. I, I didn't know what people were saying, and, and I listened to like you know I was 20 minutes in. I'm like, what are people talking about with Dave talking about the weights? And all of a sudden, you know, he's talking about yeah, I go to the gym, and the weights are like, hey, use me, hey Dave, use me. I'm like, what? yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? I was just and, like and looking around to make sure nobody was like in the car next to me hearing what was going on as I'm listening to it, and he's like, hey Dave. Lift me. You're like it. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like a, it was like a PSA. It was like a drug PSA that you like watch during school where they're like, you're going to like walk home from school and some guy's going to want to give you drugs. And it's like, that's how the weights were to Dave. He was like in the gym to work on like an exercise bike. And then the weights were like, Dave, use us. Dave, come on. You know, you want to like the devil and you know, on the one side of his, his, his shoulder saying, oh, this is what you need to do. You need to lift my weights. <laughs> it's just very, very yeah, so odd. It was, it was Al- Alvarez. Alvarez was confused. And Dave basically explained how he's so jacked at 60. And then he was talking about how good his genetics are, but he knows it's not going to last forever. And Bruno told him that at 58, you really you can't build muscle mass anymore. And this was a man who was – it's almost like he was trying to talk himself into being content with turning 60. And then he was talking about his journey through being a fan and how wrestling Lucha looked fake to him until he met some Mexican friends and it opened his eyes and he somehow tied that into dynamite kid and Marco stunt. Yeah. The, I love, I love the seamless transition into somehow people being clones of dynamite kid. And at one point, Brian, who's just kind of being taken on this ride along with us, like goes, wait, wait, what, what how, why are we talking about dynamite kid now? Wait, what happened? Like we were just talking about the weight yeah. talking to you at a gym. And now we're talking about that in the eighties, there was a lot of dynamite kid clones. And that was like, Again, this is like a roller coaster ride through the brain of a Dave Meltzer. It was, uh, it was, it was certainly something. 
he was talking about his wife or ex-wife or whatever she is by name. It was just, oh, it was, and then poor Alvarez, who has a toddler and an infant. Just <laughs> know, yeah. He's show. like, yeah, well, you know, there was one point I forget what he said. He's like, well, you're getting old, but at least these Wednesday Night Wars are good shows, Dave. And that, like, yes. Cried. And Dave just blew through that. And in the next 15 minutes, Brian probably went to go feed his child or something like that because he realized, all right, I tried. It's not going to happen and it's not going to work. All right. No problem. Like. Yeah, so there was also a Roy Shire like random direction it went into where he started talking about booking philosophies or whatever. Yes, and how when he was a, a child, like he thought lucha wasn't real wrestling, and then he found out that it was real wrestling. <laughs> like, what is it? Was very, it, Dave took us like through his entire lifespan in those twenty two minutes, and it was very like uh, it was very unlike him. And I hope moving forward, Dave rules. First of all, big Dave supporter. I'm not one of these geeks who's no, yeah. who's getting on Dave's case. Uh, I love Dave, but I, I hope this is like the new Dave. This is like the enlightened. I've reached a point in my life where I don't have to care about anything anymore. Like he, he by the end of it, he seemed he went from melancholy to enlightened, and it was it was just some audio trip. But how I'm coming full circle on that, Rich, is when I no longer look like I'm chiseled out of granite in my <laughs> not one size. Yeah, when you're not- yeah, in my one size too small, um, super tight white tee, when I'm turning 60 and, and I'm passing the Bruno threshold of when your body just goes south, I'll no longer rock this look. But for now, this is my this is my lounging at home uniform. I want to be comfortable. You know, I also want to keep TLB on the, on her toes. You know what I'm saying? So there's there's a there's a nice balance there. So that that explains why I do this show in my underwears. Got it. Well, that's, that's you know, thank you for, for that enlightened journey. Well, one thing I, I did want to touch on before we get into the uh, the, the wrestling part of this, and uh, I'm not going to do every year around the same time we do the dopey show where I say, Joe, what candy are you giving for Halloween and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. And, and and we don't need to do that again. Everybody knows uh, you're the, the full-size candy bar guy on the block, which is good. That's a good thing to be. Um, yeah. are you, for the record, you're still that guy, right? Yeah, but the thing is, I don't do it for everyone. Like, you got to get here early. Got it. Okay, so it's like a certain. Yeah, I'm not fucking. Listen, I'm not the Monopoly man. Okay, this shit's not cheap. <laughs> right. So not making that you know, much on Patreon, guys. Exactly. But if you get here early enough, especially like remember, we've been doing this show seven years. So don't seven years please. ago, <laughs> please don't remind me. Yeah, almost eight years or whatever the fuck. Eight I years. know. Don't please. So almost eight years now, but but seven eight years ago, Rich. I'm a swinging bachelor. I, I got money. I got extra money. I could do the full size yeah, no bar kids, for everyone. No kid. wife. Yeah, everyone's just eating well. Of course, I'm feeding a lot of people over here now. So now, if you want to get the full size bar, okay, it's like the first 10 customers only. You see what I'm saying? So, which works out good because it's usually like early in the Halloween, it's the little kids that come out because they got to be in bed by seven, eight o'clock, you know? And I like taking care of little kids better than like some, you know, the snot-nosed teenagers. Yeah, shithead teenagers, in, yeah, that show up in their yeah. hoodies. Yeah, get the fuck out right. of here. Right. Or their fucking Zeke Elliott jersey saying they're a football player. You know, that that tactic. You get a lot of those, too. But, uh, but yeah, so, yeah, to answer your question, first come, first serve. But 
yes, I will still do the full-size bar. Okay, the real question I was going to ask, though, that's why I added the good family man uh, to this uh, this year's uh, intro, is what, what are the kids going to be uh, for Halloween? I'm always I'm always fascinated by what children are uh, are rocking these days, what, what they want to be, what they look up to, or the shows they watch, all that sort of stuff. Is there a, a plan in place yet, or are we still working on, on the costumes for the two kids? There's a plan. The girl changes her mind on a daily basis, so that's going to come down to the wire. One minute she wants to be a princess, the other minute she wants to be a pirate. She can't figure it out. Okay. The boy, he's all figured out. He's into the Toy Story. He's a big fan of the Toy Story. Yeah. Okay. He's going to be Woody. Nice. All right. He's yeah. got his outfit. In fact, he wore it for two days. We couldn't take it off. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. So he's walking around the house as Woody. And, you know, and he's carrying, he's got the hat. He's carrying around the hat. He's going to bed dressed as Woody. I can't get him out of the thing. But, that, there's your answer. He's gonna be uh he's gonna be Woody. All right, so so it's Woody and and then a pirate and or uh, a princess. Is there a way you can Kyrie sane this and 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 possibly co- you know combo the the pirate princess? Is there a way? Um, I she don't know nothing about the wrestling, but uh, listen, she changes her mind every day. I so I don't I don't know what the you know she can't make up her mind. But um, here I'm gonna let me see. Nah, never mind. I had an idea, but it'll be a bit that'll take way too long. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, we don't need that. We don't need well, well, maybe 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 have her watch a little. Uh, uh, I I don't know what. Uh... I don't know what brand the Kabuki Warriors are on, but maybe show her some Kyrie Sane and say, "Hey, is this?" Because that's a nice blend. You know, you can you can wear the 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 princess dress, but then still carry around the big wheel or whatever. You got the eye patch if she wants or whatever. Like, what kind of pirate is this? Like an old school pirate, or is this like, or does she not even know that? Are we not even? To she that just level she no. She just randomly will say, "I want to be a pirate," got it. because okay, she just yeah. she probably just watched a cartoon with a pirate on it. You know what I mean? So she's just changing her mind every thirty seconds. But um. But yeah, so who knows? That, like I said, that one's going to come down to the wire. Oh, aren't you going to ask me what I am going to be from? Well, I, w- I was about to say. Now, the real question is, what is the TLB going to be? I don't give a shit what you're going to be. Uh, she says she's surprising me. Ooh. She's got a plan. But here's the thing. It's also going to turn into like a sex thing, right? Sure. Well, so, that's, yeah, that's the only reason I was asking, to be honest. But Right, right, right. So she's so well, I'm not. going to be, it's going to be a sexy that thing. And then, you know. Yeah, so she's not telling me what it is because she wants to like make it a fucking thing one of these nights, you know, where she just she's gonna say, "All right, well, I'm gonna go upstairs and get into the gimmick," and you know, and it's you know, then we're gonna have some lands of action. But so I don't know yet. It's a, it's a surprise at this point. But I'll let you know though, especially now that you have that visual <laughs> of you and your <laughs> yeah your undershirt, your bulging undershirt, and and <laughs> that's and right. Her as yeah. a- Sexy As a whatever. whatever, yeah. Who yeah. knows? A werewolf or something? God, really knows <laughs> a werewolf? I don't know. I don't know. Well, what are you going to be? I, I guess I should ask that. I guess so. Uh, yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> I was going to say that's why I didn't ask. I knew you wouldn't. Like, yeah, what are you going to? I'm not. Yeah, you're going to be Joe that. Lanza, you know, godlike podcaster. Uh, for yeah, another, I'm not fucking another year taking, again. Yeah, I'm not walking around the neighborhood either. Look, someone's got to stay home and answer the door, right? Oh so. wow, what a jeez! You can put a bull out there if you want. Put a bowl. You can't put the bowl. You get some smart ass comes by and takes all well, see, of it. Now, I, so I have a I have a crisis here. Um, so the nurse is working that night. So and, and by the time I come home, like you said, the little kids are pretty much done by like five, and I don't walk through the door until like five five thirty, sometimes six. So I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I don't want the kids to not get anything. The little kids. So what I might do is I might do the bowl gimmick for a little bit, and then when I come home, replace it 
with you know myself at the door because like the little kids are usually with their parents or whatever. And if I put the bowl out there, I feel like they're not going to take a bunch. But like after five is when you get the, the the yeah, like you said, the Mitch Trubisky jerseys or whatever. You know, I got random idiots dressed in a Trubisky jersey, and I got a random guy that just shows up in a hoodie. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, dude. But like, I I just can eat the candy anyway, so I just give it to him. You know, regardless. Like, those guys I want to be able to ha- give the candy to. There's not that many that come anyway. It's not that big of a deal. But do you think I'm okay? Do you think I'm safe with the bull gimmick until five or six? Because I don't want to do the no gimmick. I don't want to just turn the lights off and then kids pass my house. Like, that kind of feels... Cool Listen, and, I'm, and I'm not a fan of the bull gimmick. And under any way, shape, or form, I think someone's going to come by and dump it all in the bag. Yeah, it's it's risky. I don't know. So, so I, I can't condone it. Yeah, what if I put a take one sign on the bull then? That should definitely deter anybody from. There's no. That's even making it worse. They're they're not only gonna at that point mock you for your sign. They're gonna <laughs> take it all. I would yeah, and then egg my house. Your house. For sure. Yeah, I know. Yeah, put bags of pretzels in there or something like that. Some shitty candy that nobody likes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I got I got to figure this out. I might just have to. I might just have to go no go, and and people just can't. You know. I just keep the lights out. I should just come home and keep the lights out the whole time. Then we can do the podcast that day or something. So, yeah, you got a couple examples of Woody on your on your. Oh, that's a good looking Woody. All right, yeah, yeah. He won't take it off. See, those are two different days too. Like he's just like, you could see the Rams game on in the background. (laughs) Yeah, as you're like, get out of here, scram, kid. You see Sean McVay's elbow in the one picture there (laughs) on the fucking big screen. Um, I'm looking at your uh, your bookshelf too uh, as well. I'm going to call you out for your books. Let's see here. Oh, baseball between the numbers. Okay, all right. I got it right here. I'm looking at baseball between the numbers on my bookshelf too. Try to compare what I have. Yeah, what I have. Uh, the Bill Simmons Big Book of Basketball. I got that too. Uh, got that one. Try to compare and contrast. Oh, the Mankind Book. All right, Foley is good too. That's good. All right. Baseball abstract. I see the, ba- the oh, I see the abstract. oh, I see the abstract. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, other things all I the standards. Say. Yeah, every every standard. Like I'm a dude. <laughs> This is, and you like, know, yeah, I like, read and like if people came over and they're like, "Oh, you have books? That's cool." And I'm like, "Yeah, look, like 45 percent of them are baseball prospectuses going back to 2004, and then the rest are just like basketball books and wrestling books." Like, yeah, I read, but they're all about wrestling, basketball, or baseball. So. You're not going to uh, you're not going to rip TLB's live, laugh, love. <laughs> I'm uh, going to let that slide. That's, all that's right. uh, she probably bought that while holding a Starbucks cup, <laughs> right? Right. I was gonna let you slide on that one because I knew that you had no say in, in uh in, no in say whatsoever. Yeah. None. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> starter set. Yeah, the starter set. Is she wearing, it's the starter she's wearing set. flannel? Yeah, she's sipping a, a cold brew, a pumpkin spice cold brew. <laughs> yeah. Starbucks cup, yoga pants, the whole the whole nine and the live, laugh, love. You know. <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way. God. Yeah, hey, that's 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 what they are, man. It's it's all good. All right, let's get into uh, the actual wrestling stuff here uh, this week. Uh, you so so for people that are going to wonder, we are not going to go super heavy into AEW and NXT. We are going to talk about it a little bit later in the show. Uh, but you just released a uh, Thursday T reviews on uh, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon or patreon.com uh, slash voices of wrestling that covers those extensively. So if you really, really want to get deep on those shows and, and ratings talk and all that sort of stuff, uh, Thursday T reviews, uh, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon, they're all on there. So we're going we're gonna to touch on it a little bit later in the show, uh, but we've done it pretty heavy the last few weeks. So this week we're going to kind of go a little bit more with some other topics throughout the, uh, the wrestling world. But again, we'll hit it a little bit. But if you want to hear an extensive uh, review of those shows on everything, that happened. The uh, Thursday tier reviews will will be the spot to do that at. But we're going to lead off the show with 
is uh, it's news that came out earlier this week, so it's on the 21st here, is that New Japan officially announced in New Japan of America and U.S. expansion details. They had a fantastic sideshow uh, that represented the entire United States with East, South, Mid, Texas, and West. So that's, uh, that is where they're expanding to, is those five regions of the United States. <laughs> Which I just love that, that like Texas is like, what do you, how do you feel about that? Your, your new adopted home state. Uh, is an entire region uh, in New Japan's uh, uh, American expansions. Fucking great! I mean, <laughs> plus, plus where I live, I'm like right in the middle. Like I'm a I'm a two hour drive from every major city. So you know they're they're gonna run Dallas, Houston, probably Austin and San Antonio. I would guess those are gonna be the four, right? You know, and yeah, the shortest like El- trip is given. Given that where this bubble is, uh, El Paso, Texas. Unfortunately, I do not think you're going to get shows. So. I'm not going to run out in El Paso. So <laughs> yeah. you're talking about a 90 minute drive to Houston, and the longest one is a three hour drive to San Antonio. These are all regular drives for wrestling shows, anyway. So tremendous that Texas is its own region. Do you think they understand that it's just one state, or do you think that like? Like, what was the thought process behind that? I'm not that, sure. Yeah, I, I don't. I think they just saw big cities and saw big populations or whatnot. I'm not sure. Because, like, when I go other places, I have no, like, you know, I have no idea what, like, region I'm in or if it's a state or province or what. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, other than Canada, I know just because of wrestling as well. I know, like, Ontario and, and you know, Calgary, Alberta and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I don't know that, like, if any other place I go, I really recognize the state. So, yeah, I'm not sure if they know the states. But as, as far as we can tell, we'll, we'll get into kind of the nuts and bolts of uh, this actual launch here. But... What it looks like here, uh, the West region, if, if these bubbles are to be believed, uh, the West region, which has six uh, cities slash four states. So, okay. No, they do know the states because it does say flash, uh, slash four states, whereas Texas just has four cities. Uh, West appears to be Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Sacramento, Los Angeles, Las Vegas. You know, that sort of region, which makes sense. Again, that, that, that you know, sticks with what I would imagine. That what are you guessing based on the dots on the they map? They have the little something? dots, and yeah, you can kind of see oh, where, okay. where they're going. We'll get, we'll, we'll go over what that really means uh, here in a bit. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about what, what, you know, the real drive behind this is, this U.S. expansion or whatever. Uh, the mid, quote-unquote mid, uh, seven cities, six states, as far as I can tell, you know, probably Minneapolis, Chicago. I don't know if Milwaukee's counted in there. I imagine maybe. It uh, looks like Detroit, uh, Indianapolis, Kansas City is actually considered mid in this. So I don't know the exact seven cities, but uh, that general region is what we got here. And then east, of course, I think it says four cities, three states. I think we can pretty much assume to be like Philadelphia, Boston, New York, and um, who am I missing there? Uh, Philadelphia, Boston, New York. It says four? It says four cities, three states. Yeah, I'm probably missing some Big uh, Trenton, <laughs> Trenton, New Jersey. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, that'd be a fourth yeah, state. So that can't be it, <laughs> right? Now. Oh, Philly, Philly, New I York. Said, yeah, I thought Philly is. I guess I don't know Pittsburgh or I don't know. We need a second city in another one of those states. There wouldn't be another one in Massachusetts. Um, oh, it could be Washington D.C. and they didn't know how to quite say maybe that or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Would they go? Would they go out to Pittsburgh? Yeah, that's what I don't know. Like the little dot shows like through Pittsburgh, but I don't. I don't know if that's actually what. They're... Oh, so there's one out in Western Pennsylvania. It, it is. Yeah, it's pretty big. So maybe they would. Oh, it's got to be so. Pittsburgh. It has to be. And then Southeast, six cities, four states. Uh, the little dot shows Charlotte. It shows Nashville in there, Jacksonville, uh, Orlando, Miami. So that I think would be your your uh, 
New Orleans is kind of in the middle of those, but I could see them possibly uh, go in there. But yeah, overall, I mean, what this means, though, is that they're going to launch operations. It says November of 2019. They're going to start operations with the New Japan Pro Wrestling of America. And uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's got its own logo. It's got, you know, the the, the familiar line mark with uh, the USA flag behind it. And yeah, offices are going in there and, and we got some phases that we're going to get to uh, in a sec. But like overall, big picture thoughts. What do you think about New Japan officially launching a subsidiary in America? Well. I don't have a simplified thought. I think, what was it, two or three years ago when they initially said they were going to start running the United States, we were down on the idea because um, we just didn't see a path to um, great success. And since that point in time, they've run a lot of one-off shows in California to varying degrees of success. No total bombs, but a couple shows that didn't do as well as they should because they kind of burnt out the market. Then you have the G1 show, which drew a little under 5,000 paid, but in such a big building, it looked like a, a failure. And we're told that it barely made money. And then you have, you know, like the Super Junior swing. Uh, so, I'm sorry, the Super J Cup swing, which were in very small theaters. And Dave and others have said that that probably lost money. Um, and then you have the recent swing on the East Coast with the three ROH buildings, which they filled all of them. So it's like, I, you know, I wouldn't call their United States efforts a raging success, but I don't think they've failed. I don't think that's fair to say either. They don't think so either if they want to expand it. But my feelings are kind of the same as when we initially talked about this two or three years ago. It's like, I, I, I'm not too bullish on it, but at the same time, I got to know what the plan is before I can assess it. Do they plan on running basketball arenas? Well, that's not going to work. Do they plan on running small thousand seat theaters or 300 seat theaters like they did for Super J? Well, it's going to be hard to make money on that. What they've proven they can do is run small to mid-sized buildings. They've proven they can do that. But it's like, and and I look at it this way. If if they do like these one-off shows and like the pyramid in, in, um, in Long Beach, or they do these, this, this West coast swing in the three small buildings and they're either breaking even or losing money. uh, One area of, I'm very familiar with the nature of my job is franchising. Okay. And what a lot of people do not understand about restaurant franchising is it's a volume game. You know, you don't – individual freestanding restaurants don't net a ton of money. and People don't get that. It's – but when you're a franchise – when when you're a – you know, when when you own a – and you own 150 of them, now you're making a lot of money, right? Because maybe, okay, if you own – one Starbucks or you own one McDonald's or whatever the hell, one Pizza Hut, right? That freestanding unit might only be making, and this is going to get tied back into wrestling, I promise. That freestanding unit might only be netting you, I don't know, five or $10,000 a year. You can't live on that, okay? But when you own 150 of them and they're all making between you know, some of them are losing a little bit of money, but some of them are making five to 10,000 a year. And then you have some great ones that are making, you know, 50 to 100,000. Okay, now 
now you're in a real business right. and now you're making a sustainable, you know, now you're making a real income and, and you're in a, you know, so it's a volume, it, it's, it's very few franchisers have one or two units. It's, it's, it, it's volume. You got to have as many as possible to make as much, to make real money. So how I'm going to tie this into new Japan is maybe they're not making a ton of money running singular shows, flying their whole crew and all their shit over here for one show or, or, you know, one to three shows, but maybe since they're doubling the amount of shows, okay. Now, when they come over here, if they're going to do between three to six shows every time they come here, okay, the small profit, the small negligible profit they were making before becomes a decent profit because you're doubling the amount of shows you're doing. Is anything that I'm saying making sense? No, absolutely. No, no, I get it. I get it for sure. Yeah. The the idea that like doing this one off, getting everybody over here, getting all the stadium, like getting everything set up, doing all the hard work just for one show is like, all right, cool. You know, we're making a little bit of money off the one show, but if you're doing all those resources and 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 you can double up on a weekend and run three shows in a weekend or four shows in it, like yeah, the, all the costs you're already paying for regardless, but now you're able to you know double the amount of shows that you're running with those costs is essentially what you're. Yeah, I mean, part of what I do for a living is to assess when and where to build another restaurant, right? Because it's always we need more, we need more, we need more because we can't make money unless we have more, right? So it's like. But then you have to figure out you can't. So it's like this. This could be the same kind of deal for New Japan. Like, okay, we know we can draw, you know, a thousand to somewhere between a thousand to five thousand people in a lot of these markets, right? But it isn't. We're not making any money coming over and doing one or two or three shows. So if we if we if we expand and we do three to six shows every time we come over. Well, we're still only paying for one plane ticket for everybody. And we're still only bringing one ring, whatever. You know what I mean? Your costs are the same or, or essentially the same for the sake of the argument, but you're doubling your income because you're simply running more shows that now, listen, I'm not saying that's their plan. I'm just saying with my own business cap on that could be their plan. Their plan could be something outrageous, like running basketball arenas, and they're going to fail miserably because they don't have strong enough TV, and they haven't proven that they could fill a basketball arena, with the exception of Madison Square Garden, which was an outlier because it was WrestleMania weekend, and there's a very good chance that AEW drew that gate. So you have to throw that one out. It's probably the Bucks and Cody and Omega who drew that, or, or, or contributed to drawing that sure, at minimum. right, right, right. So when you throw that one out, the biggest crowd they've 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 drawn was sixty six hundred paid in San Francisco, with Cody and Omega on top, um, or somewhere I think it was sixty six hundred. Someone's gonna go. Wait, it was actually sixty two hundred. But you get the idea. Um, you know, so you know if they're thinking about running bigger buildings, I don't think they can do that. Now, if they want to run Hammerstein and the ECW arena and get a discount. In, in Dallas for Mark Cuban's building and, and, and keep running that one. Okay. I am confident that they can, they, can, they can put enough fans in those buildings where if you come over and you go to your southeast region and you go to all six of those cities, I think they can draw 1,500 people in all six of those cities and then double what they were grossing the last time they came and then increasing your net as a result. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's kind of my read on it. And that's the only read that I can have until I know what their plan is. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. And to me, it's all very hard to analyze without doing guesswork until I know 
what this means, what the expansion actually means. Right, right. My my first glance is that I I think I, I don't know that I love it right now. I, I just think especially this year to join, you know, this market, which is already getting very crowded, you know, with, with AEW now rolling out like two years ago, maybe would have been a better time to do this. But but I get it. They wanted to get a foothold. They wanted to establish. They wanted to get context. They wanted to get all that sort of stuff. So I get why they're doing it now. But it just seems like this year particularly is going to be a tough one. It's going to be an uphill battle with a lot more, you know, weekly wrestling shows now, you know, making, you know, because I, I, I do think that NXT will probably at some point in the next few months be on the road as well. So you got another show now that's on the road and traveling or whatnot. And, and you know, Impact and, and ROH still exist, you know, kind of. We'll talk about Impact a little bit later. And and obviously, you know, WWE is still running all this stuff. But, you know, if it, WWE reduces their house shows, then may, like it is it is definitely pretty weird. But but some of the stuff, and I think this, this sort of gives us a little bit of insight uh, into what they're looking at. It actually kind of answers one of your questions as well is, um, so they mentioned that this was uh, part of their third uh, phase in expanding. Their phase one was was uh, the LA Dojo, which has been a success, I think, so far. They've, they've developed some pretty good talent uh, out of there so far. Phase two was run events in the U.S., including at uh, MSG in Dallas this year. So uh, they did that. And then phase three was establish a company. Uh, this is the exact quote from them. Quote, establish a company within the U.S. and be ingrained in the everyday fabric when it comes to fans wrestling consciousness so they want to be ingrained in u.s wrestling fans' consciousness which um you know more power to them that's it's a cool it's an ambitious thing but man it's i i it's tough it's a tough thing to do i mean there's just a lot of wrestling a lot of live event stuff going on in in, in this country right now so there's uh I, I could see that be an issue but one thing that you sort of alluded to there and this is about takami uh Obari, I believe, is his name. I, I might be pronouncing that incorrect, uh, incorrectly, but Obari, I believe, is the name. Uh, New Japan uh, of America CEO uh, says here, and this is exactly what you mentioned as well. Uh, quote, we are currently running and looking at venues in the 2000 seat range. That be, may be lower depending on circumstances. We are a live event company, and the first priority of a live event company is to run in more venues, which speaks to your point. Uh, once people are in those venues, then we can fire them up and have them ready to spread the word to larger and larger audiences. First, though, it's about growing the number rather than the size of the venues. The long-term plan, uh, plan will absolutely be to run big venues on a regular basis. So what they say there is, Initially, 2,000 seats and sometimes lower, depending on the circumstances, is what they're looking at. So does that make you feel a little bit better initially? Well, it it, it means that my instincts were good and they have the same kind of business plan that I just laid out, where it's just increase the number of small to mid-sized buildings that you're running um, now that they know that they can fill those sized venues. But here's the thing. I think a lot of the reason that they're able to fill those venues is because they come so infrequently that it's special. Right, right, right. It, it is a you special start, attraction when they're in your town. Like I, I try right. not to miss them when they're here because, like, what other, what else am I going to have New Japan, any New Japan talent in my area? But that could be yeah. commonplace where they're there every two months or whatever. And then you know, if you're coming twice as often, inevitably it's going to be less special when you come around. So that's a new challenge they'll be facing. So they have to come hard with. Um, attractive shows that people really want to see the more they increase the frequency that they're that they're coming over here's the other thing to remember too it's not like this is basically the size venues they run in japan i mean how often does new japan draw five figure attendances in japan it's not it's not that often only for their very biggest shows i mean their very biggest shows you're talking about dominion um you know, King of Pro Wrestling, I think, did under 10,000. Was it 98-something or whatever? So you'll get Dominion. You'll get the Dome. Um, you'll get a couple of the Budokans, not even all three of them, typically, for G1. 
it's like, this is not a company that's running basketball sized arenas in their own country. So it's like, they're basically running thousand to 2000 seat venues on their tours in Japan. So they're attempting to do that outside of their home market, which it's not going to be easy, especially when you're increasing the frequency and you know, none of this is going to be worth their time or effort if they're running, you know, sub 1000 seat buildings. There's just no point. Um, so it's still going to be a challenge, even though they're running the smaller venues. And I think one of the other questions too, that, that, you know, I saw a lot of people bring up and, and, and I definitely bring up a little bit as well is, is now do these shows, do they operate as, in in Canon League, are they separate? Is this New Japan America have their own stories, their own sort of roster makeup, or is it just guys coming over and, and doing stuff for a certain tour? Is like that's gonna be the dynamic that I'm not quite sure about. Like you said, we don't have all those details yet, and we probably won't know uh, until we get a little bit closer. But I saw a lot of people being like, "All right, look, like you know, from one standpoint, I know you, I, I saw you push back a, uh, on this a little bit on Twitter. Is like roster wise, people were wondering, oh man, like the roster is already like you know kind of stretched thin, and 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 you really disagreed with that, and I kind of disagree with it too. I think that roster can absolutely sustain uh, a second show and 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 stuff can be kind of split up uh pretty easily as well as long as you time it correctly and 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 know okay this guy's gonna be gone for this tour or this guy's gone for these few months but we see that anyway it's just in the form a lot of times of tag matches or in the form of like if it's a big tournament or a g1 or a super juniors league or whatever we see that the the heavyweights or the juniors or whoever that's kind of their tour off and that's a, a great time then for those people if they wanted to to go over and and, and you know work in america or whatever so yeah any any sort of thoughts about you know what what you know if it's going to relate directly to new japan in japan and and a little bit about the roster as well do you have any concerns about you know stretching that roster a little too thin well the roster is bigger than people think and it even surprised me when i was doing daily reviews for the g1 tour it really struck me when i started thinking about who had that tour off because they've done a much better job recently last year or two in cycling guys in and out of tours. It's not the same, you know, a few years ago, the early part of their expansion in Japan, they had a 30 to 35 man roster and everybody worked every show. They've slowly expanded and none of us have noticed. And they have this giant roster now. Rich, they have dojos on three different continents feeding them talent. You know, it's like, when did this happen? You know, it's like it all cropped up right underneath our nose, but the G1 tour alone, just using that tour as an example, and you could do this with any tour, but for the G1 tour alone, they had um, a little over 30 wrestlers off the tour. I mean, it's crazy, but it's like, you can run two tours at once easily with the roster they have right now. And I'm sure that they plan on expanding their roster if they're going to do this. I'm sure they're going to hire people. It looks like TJP is going to be part of the roster, you know, moving forward, at least on a part-time basis, moving, you know, at minimum. And I'm sure they have other people. And look, they've got other guys in that LA dojo who are going to come through. And they've got guys in, you know, training with the wheelman, Tony Kazina and Fale, who are going to come through. And they're constantly pumping out young lions. And if they had, if they so desired, They could have run a tour at the same time as the G1 in America, not only with like 30 wrestlers rich, there's also one, two, three, four, five. There were six champions at the time who were off and sitting home and doing nothing, who just weren't on the tour. Six title holders. So it's a deeper roster than people think. 
these are the wrestlers who were not on the G1 tour. Okay. Sho, Yo, Kojima, Nagata, Nakanishi, uh, Gorillas of Destiny, Hikuleo, Robbie Eagles, El Fantasmo, Taguchi, Tiger Mask, uh, Taiji Ishimori, Mikey Nichols, Togi Makabe, uh, Dukai, uh, Dragon Lee, Rocky Romero, Alex Coughlin, Taka Mishinoku, uh, if you want to count him. Uh, things have changed since then, of course. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Tenzan. <laughs> and then there were uh, some guys on the injured list, uh, Desperado. Um, there were guys on the injured list and on excursion, like Desperado and Finley, who are now back. Hiromu, who's still out. You had Oka and Kawato on excursion. And then you had like part-timer fringe kind of guys, which are like your Gino Gambinos and your Jonathan Greshams, Gato and Jado, who were managers on the tour but didn't actually wrestle. And then your your LA Dojo guys like Barrett Brown and all those guys that haven't even worked a show yet. Oh, Barrett Brown might have worked a couple shows when they had the visa issues, actually. But um But you could see if they wanted to, they could have run an entire second tour. Now are those names going to draw? I mean, you know, it'd be a lot harder with that crew, but if, you know, it, it, they're just going to have the challenge of splitting up the big names. Um, but, but, but they're not going to necessarily run these tours concurrent with each other either. They did that once with the new beginning thing that with the visa issues, right? That was at the same time, if I'm not mistaken. I, uh, be I believe so. That. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that ended up being a, not a great move probably. Well, it's just cause the visas didn't work out, but, but all the American, like what they did was they put Juice Robinson and Lance Archer and, and I think Davey Boy Smith Jr. at the time, maybe. And a lot of their um, Western based dudes worked that swing of three shows or four shows or whatever it was instead of working New Beginning in Japan. So they've kind of even tested the waters with running two tours at the same time. They all got fucked up with the visas and they had to fill it in with your Tracer X's and all the indie guys in each city. But Rost, as far as that goes, though, I don't think roster size is an issue. They have and and they cycle guys in and out. If you look at the tour right now, there's a bunch of dudes that aren't working that tour right now. The names constantly change, but there's always about 30 guys that are off the tour, especially if you throw in part timers. Mm-hmm. So that part of it, I'm not worried about. I do think they'll they'll hire and they'll expand the roster. They'll have to. As far as working the rosters too thin, now look. All of this time off that they're giving people, cycling guys in and out, there's going to be less time that you're going to be cycled it because right. now that to me this is honestly the biggest thing, and I didn't see a lot of people talk about this, but one of the things that we talk about and and, and credit New Japan for in a lot of ways is the health of of a lot of their the wrestlers is that you get that time off that you know Tanahashi gets two months off or a month off in between or even if he's doing stuff it's tag matches it's nothing it's not traveling it's not getting on a plane it's you know getting in a bus or whatever and driving an hour or so and then you're to the town and then you work you know five minutes of a tag match and you're done like that sort of stuff really helps these guys last until their 40s and and, and still wrestle pretty well into their 40s where we see American wrestlers where that's not the case like those guys their bodies break down largely because of the amount of work and the amount of travel so this to me is the biggest thing is like okay you know one of the things that you've touted as sort of a a benefit right now is going to turn into okay that free time is now going to be sent getting on a plane flying to america and working shows in america i mean that that that's gonna be tough yeah so there's gonna be inevitably even if they add to the roster less downtime which again like you said is a big benefit and i think helps keep the roster healthier and all those sorts of things too so that that's a, a that is one of the major downsides, I think. Uh, but I think logistically, they they have enough pieces to do it. Are, are, is your talent going to be happy flying back and forth over the Pacific Ocean 
um, twice as many times per year? Or is it the same amount of times and they're just doubling the amount of shows for each trip? See, these are all things that I don't have answers to yet. Right, which would be, like honestly, if that's like you're saying, if that's sort of the plan is that, hey, you guys fly over, but then you're here for three weeks or whatever, that's a lot easier to swallow. Then, okay, fly there, work a weekend of shows, and then come back, and then work our shows, then, okay, come back and work. Like, that's the big difference there is is the money saving to me. Like, if I'm running this and if I'm in charge or whatever, I have Tanahashi or whatever. He's there for a month now. He is in America for a month, and we're running shows with him and whatever that American crew is, quote, unquote, that entire month. As much as we can, you know, as as frequently as we can in that time versus, yeah, the back and forth is going to, that's just, that's not cost effective either. That's just doubling your costs, you know, which is not a good idea. Which I don't think is the idea here. I really think the idea is, okay, we're doing Super Juniors in Japan. It's June or whatever. We can send, you know, pick five big, you know, Tanahashi and maybe you keep Okada over there to support the Super Junior Tour. So maybe Tanahashi and, and LIJ or something. And like you're saying. You fly them over, but what we're what they're doing now is like sometimes running one show, right? Instead, now you fly these guys over and you keep them here a month, one weekend, you know, a week and a half they're working the southeast swing, then they get a week off, and then for the second week and a half they're working the Texas swing, and then they fly home, right? See that to me could end up assuming you can still fill the buildings because you have the challenge of making it feel special. If you can still fill the buildings, that seems cost effective to me, and at that point, I think you can make money. But I think at that point, the challenge is how do you make these shows continue to feel special? I think at first they will because it'll be the novelty of full-on authentic New Japan shows. I went to the G1 in Dallas. Rich, that was an authentic full-on New Japan show, and it was really cool. And it was, you know, there was, there was nothing, you know, you didn't have ROH involved. You didn't have, you know, it's just, it was a full-on New Japan. So I think the novelty of that can carry them early. But it's when you come back to those cities the second time. Okay, now what are you offering me? I, I already went to a show or, two, or maybe more. Maybe I went to two or three of these shows on the swing. You're going to have to, you know, the other thing is it's going to stretch out your booking because now you have to have big matches for these shows too. You know, so you have to worry about drawing in Japan, which you should never, that should always be your priority. Right. You don't want to hurt your core business, but you have to have big matches and big angles and you have to have things that draw for this second set of touring shows too, which again is difficult. Like you're saying, I'm sure it'll all be under the same canon, but maybe it's a scenario where they build up that US title to what we thought it would eventually turn out to be anyway, where you're kind of building the tours around that. Um, you know, and, 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 and build that title up to where that's a drawing title, but that's going to take some work, you know, and I still think it's going to take some support early on before, you know, somebody like Lance Archer is able to draw 2000 fans on his own. So there's a, a lot of challenges here. I, 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 I will say this. A lot of people have said that they've been too deliberate and they're moving too slow with everything. And, but now I kind of see why. You know, they really were feeling their way around for the first year, the first two years or so. Right. They didn't want to dive in and then have to, you know, really pack up everything and, and run away. Like, because they could have done this three years ago and, and rolled this out big. And, yeah, we're running MSG. We're running this arena, that arena, that arena. But then if it's an, a miserable failure, then you got to pack up and, and, and go back to Japan. And that's going to look real bad, you know, to, to everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of get why they were slow and deliberate about it. And 
they were calculated and they did their research and, and, you know, they were doing those fan surveys in Dallas. I didn't do one, but people were in line for that. And all they got, was, I think it was a, like a dopey sticker. I wouldn't have stood on that line if they were giving away. You got to give me more than a sticker. Stand <laughs> yeah, really? Just a sticker? Like, I don't even know if I, I don't even know if a t-shirt would really get me. I want a little, you know, free tickets or something. Exactly. Or, you know, something like, good, yeah, you know. I want, yeah, give me a break, you know, but I, I don't know what they got. It might, I think it was a sticker. I didn't pay too close attention, but, um, you know, so I, I Look, they feel like – I think the idea here is they probably knew they were either going to break even or take some small losses these first couple of years doing this, but they really needed to feel out the market. What stage of the plan was using ROH until we figured out what buildings are good and then we <laughs> dumped them on the side of the road? What stage is that? <laughs> that, was, that was phase two and a half after MSG was, yeah. okay, we're good now. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Like, Thank you for showing us what cities and buildings right. to run. Now we know the booking uh, agent's phone numbers and stuff. That is perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> we, we just yeah. Cucked ROH, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, like, the original not like wrestling cuck storyline was Ring of Honor for all these years between the well, Bucks see, and New Japan. And we knew it. Like, that's legitimately a cucking. Like, right, right. Not what this. What's going on on Raw? I've, I haven't ranted on this. Please yet. do. Yeah, this is a, a great moment to do that. So there is no cucking on Raw. Can we please stop saying that? I know people think it's funny. There is not a single cuck storyline going on 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 Monday Night Raw. Okay, people have no idea what cucking is. These men on Raw are just being cheated on. This is not cuck- if it was cucking. Okay, I'll give you an example. When Lana and Rusev, careful with I mean, example, like when, <laughs> when 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 Lana hour and Lesh, hour one still. Well, I guess it's it's the start of hour two. Go nuts, yeah, go crazy. When Lana and and Lashley are laying in a bed on Raw, getting it on, right, making out and and all that. If this, if if Rusev was being cucked, he'd be in the ring licking his lips, enjoying it. That it's he's not being cucked. Okay, he's being cheated. He's just being cheated on. Okay, can we stop someone banging Mike Kanellis' wife and getting her pregnant and Mike being mad about it? That is not being cucked. Yeah, being you're cucked getting cheated be, on. Yeah, right. Yeah, being cucked would be, oh, yeah, Montez Ford, get my wife pregnant. Yeah, I'm right. Yo, work her over real good, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and let me watch. You know, and that that would be another step. That would not only be cucking, but it would be like breed my wife. Cuck her and breed her. Like cuck me and breed my wife. That's not what's going on on Raw. These men are just being fucking cheated on by their by their wives. So can we please stop saying now? New Japan and ROH that is a cucking, okay? Because ROH is getting fucked over by New Japan and they're liking it. Read these Joe Koff quotes. He's like all just like <laughs> this, this is great. Fucking, yeah, yeah, all this is fantastic. Yeah, we're, we're helping glad each we can other. Help. I'm helping them. They're helping me. <laughs> it's like, all right. yeah, we're glad we can help. Meanwhile, they're just like fucking ROH's wife behind behind like behind her back and Koff finds out but he's like turned on by it that he's being cucked these people on Raw are not being cucked it drives me nuts I think people just like typing the word cuck I think that's what it comes down to because none of them know what it means but um but anyway that was a little cuck sidebar but yeah ROH I mean, totally got used in this scenario. I mean, and, and you know, it's it, it, the last tour they ran, they ran three ROH buildings. That ROH, by the way, cannot fill anymore. But New Japan waltzes in and fucking fills them. So, um, you know, and, 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 and now they've got inroads and they basically use the last three, four years, whatever it is, to come over here while ROH foots the bill 
and you know they split half the gate and they figured out how to do business in the United States. It's fucking amazing how that all played out. You gotta we, watch we the Tiger you Hattori. Ago, this is exactly what was going to happen, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch that Tiger Hattori. He's slick. Uh, so I, I think the big thing that that comes through this too. You mentioned Ring of Honor, uh, the Ring of Honor AEW New Japan whatever relationship that feels like those are as cold as possibly could be because now Japan New Japan is literally coming into the region and running shows against them. So the idea that maybe things will will cool off a little bit. I think the Ring of Honor thing is pretty well done. I think New Japan doesn't need Ring of Honor anymore. I think if AEW wanted to approach, you know, New Japan about something, I still think New Japan would be open to it, but they're at a point now where they're directly competing. It, it's not like, hey, yeah, we'll bring some guys over, or, you, you know, you can have Okada work AEW, and then you guys can take Omega in New Japan. Like, they're running in their market. They are direct competitors now. So I can't imagine that their relationship gets a lot better uh, anytime soon. Do, do you, I you disagree? Feeling, I, I have a feeling it's dead already. Yeah. I, I mean, me, they, don't do, they don't do this if it's dead. No, I mean nobody came over for the Super Junior Tag League. Um, the last time they used a ROH wrestler was probably Gresham for the Super J Cup, right? Right, right. No Honor Rising shows uh, this year, if I remember correctly, right? I haven't heard any word of any Honor Rising shows. No. Um. So I mean, I don't think they would. I don't know if the schedule goes out. I mean, they announced Fantastic Mania for January. I don't know if the schedule on the site goes out to February yet. Um, with the new beginning tour, but so I don't know, but I haven't heard any talk of it. So, um, you know, we'll see with the tag league where usually the, the heavyweight tag league, you got to fill that fucker. You know, if there's no like villain enterprises or anything, then that's another sign. So I, I think they're done with our, I, what purpose does ROH serve them? Right. There, there's nothing anymore between ROH. Like, I think we can pretty much just consider that we, that, that was, and we said it, you know, months ago that it was the breakup where you don't, there's not a big fight. There's not a, Hey, take all your shit and get out of here. Fight. It's just, they just stop talking to each other. You know what I mean? The texts get kind of cold. It's You've been saying that for years. Rich, here's the bottom line. We're pretty good at this. We're pretty there's other people listening to this show. We're good at the audio, Rich. <laughs> we're, pretty, we're pretty smart. Yeah. Okay. We know what we're doing here. Okay. This is why this show's good and has lasted this long. But um, because we know what we're talking about. But but yeah, I mean, and and who, if you're New Japan, like, who is even of any value to you in in Ring of Honor? Oh, they right have now? nothing. They, they they offer nothing to New Japan. There 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 is zero benefit anymore to to, to New Japan. I mean, the, the the original benefit was the Ring of Honor benefit was obvious. Is hey, you know, give us Tanahashi, Okada, and Naito, or whatever. We'll sell out these buildings all across the country, or whatever. Yeah, that that was obvious. And and to New Japan, the benefit was hey, our talent is you know getting over in America and we're, we're, we're selling merch and we're going to these shows and doing that sort of stuff. And then, Hey, yeah, you're bringing some talent over to us. You're bringing your Jay lethal types. Your, your, your Marty's are coming in. You're, you're even, you know, connections to like, Will Ospreay, you know, largely, you know, were helped out by, you know, the ring of honor connection. Cause yes, remember he was signed by ring of honor. They just never, you know, used him, which is a common trend that they, yeah, they do know. these days. Yeah. But sign was he? Yeah, he was. No, he was legit signed and then like barely used, which is just baffling. Correct. And this was not like 10 years ago. They were not, it was like three years ago. With Will Ospreay. Like he was, he was good. Everybody knew he was good, and they just didn't do shit. With Remember? Him, so. Yeah, they started him off on the um on that one UK tour. Remember? Yeah, oh yeah, and he was a, he was a megastar. Yeah, and then they just they just fizzled. You're right. <laughs> I forgot I to use him. 
yeah strange yeah. but like so so the, that, that was sort of the benefit there is you know some of the talent the briscoes were coming over they were filling tag leagues you know there's some g1s that were you know given some some extra boosts by the ring of honor talent but yeah flash forward to 2019 i mean there's nobody on that roster that would help new japan for anything there, there's just, there's not one guy on that roster that i think if they it, marty maybe with a lone exception just marty came, yeah, yeah just like if marty came for like you said, World Tag League. If you wanted to get Marty and Brody over for the World Tag League. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's your one benefit. But, you know, they don't need to. There's no point in bringing a Naito over to be on a Ring of Honor show because fuck it. You run your own shows. And we've seen that. So that's, that's, they, there's no, the ROH that New Japan thing is just fucking dead. But the, the AEW thing is still interesting. Is, is, does that ever get warmer or is it still kind of as cold as, it, as it's been? Cause this can't help. The, hey, we're now going to run in your backyard. That, that can't be a positive for that relationship, right? No, this tells me that this explains a lot of why that relationship is still ice cold. Because New Japan was planning on doing this, and they they probably don't want to be in in a partnership with AEW as much as it's like because they AEW is their competition over here. So it explained a lot to me when one of the first things I thought about was okay, these two are never. I thought they would eventually get together. I don't think they're going to. And I think eventually when it comes for contract renewals and things, I think Khan is going to basically put his foot down and say, no more of these little, you can work New Japan when you want things either. You know, I know he's stopping them from working in New Japan in America, but I mean, it's like they're they're competitors now. So, um, you know, I can't see them coming together. I, you know, before all this was announced, I said I, I was saying, "Look, I think eventually they will come together for the good of everyone." I can't see that at all happening now. I right. think that's out the window. There's no what, like, what? It's like, why should New Japan? Like, what's in it for them to do business with AEW? I don't understand. Like, what do they owe AEW? Right. Maybe just wanting to bring like, Kenny over for shows is about what I could assume would be. But it, they, you know? they're getting that without giving AEW anything. Right. For now. Because Kenny <laughs> yeah. got that. Because Kenny and Moxley and Jericho, those are the three. Because AEW hadn't started yet, they had all that leverage. And they were able to get that out for themselves. And they and New Japan hasn't even used Kenny. Right? They're they're using Moxley and they're gonna use Jericho, right? They haven't even used. They haven't even bothered using Kenny, even though Kenny has that out. Because I think New Japan's whole thing is okay. Kenny, you made your choice, but now you have to live with that choice, and we don't need you. They're sending him a message, right? They're saying, you, you, you know, you're irrelevant to us. We don't need you. Yeah, is kind of the important thing. Like, they, I'm sure, like somewhere down the line, they will welcome him back. But I think right now, it's kind of this tough love of like, all right, cool. You want to get out and move yeah. out on your own? Like, cool. Like, you know, a kid that moves out and then now begs his parents to, you know, help him with the rent. It's like, nah, man, you made that choice. Like, you know, you wanted to go do a, and, and that's fine. Like, I'm sure Kenny is happy as well, but like, you can't play both ends. And that's what kind of New Japan is saying. Hey, look, you pick them and that's fine, but you pick them. So go, you know, with them is, is so, kind of the important thing there. Yeah. It's, it's, so maybe when these contracts come up next time, Tony Khan will be in a stronger position and they might have a little less leverage and he sure. can say, no, listen, you need to be exclusive. So, um, you know, I'm just speculating and, and, you know, who knows? I mean, AEW could fold in a year. I don't, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I think new Japan is just viewing them as just another company that, you know, that, that, that is a competitor over here and is irrelevant to them in Japan. Absolutely. 
All right, so that is the New Japan in America. So we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get more details. But uh, yeah, they're launching November 2019, apparently. So we'll see how that uh, how that all Come goes. Come to that Texas region. The Let's Texas go. Texas region, man. Four cities, one state, baby. <laughs> Look at that. Fuck yeah. I'll go to every one. Yeah, that's no fair. Like, I'm, I'm a part of the mid, which is fine. But like, yeah, you're two hours away from all the cities that they're running in the Texas region. That's bullshit. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, it. and as a fan... Does it really matter to you if they're like breaking even on this thing? No, who fucking it's cares? Just, yeah, I don't just care. Just them that they're coming over. <laughs> right, yeah, I don't care. You know, uh, so- I just hope it doesn't affect, like you said. I hope it doesn't affect the Japanese business, and it, it's and and I guess it's I, it probably will not. And and one thing that we heard from a lot of people is that because uh, I'm not as familiar with you know Japanese business or whatever, but what we heard from a lot of people is well, there, there's a. There's a certain aura about, oh, you're running a subsidiary in America. I mean, we saw it a lot. I mean, I know from video games, Sega of America, Nintendo of America. Like, it's a big deal to have a subsidiary in America. And we saw that stock prices and and, and financials already were up for New Japan just by, or Bushi Road, rather, just by saying that they had New Japan in America. So there's a certain certain vibe about it, too. So even if it does break even, there's that weird little sort of ego trip that comes with, oh, yeah, we have a subsidiary all the way out in America. You know, there's there's a weird thing about that, too, that we, you know, probably aren't privy to as much if, you know, when we're not aware about, you know, Japanese business. Cultural thing. Right, and, right. You know, the other thing, too, is, you know, with Bushi Road purchasing stardom, Okay, and stardom being very popular in the West. I shouldn't say very. I mean, in in, in relatively speaking, popular in the West. I mean, that's a little boost too. I mean, it is all under the same umbrella. So, you know, if they wanted to run New Japan shows in the U.S. featuring stardom, yeah, and I almost think that's inevitable. I think that's an inevitable. I think maybe the Japan will keep it separate, but I, I see, I see the America almost inevitable that that, that stardom and New Japan run shows together. Yeah, you get three or four stardom matches and, you know, four or five New Japan matches and maybe, um, you know, co-main event or, you know, whatever. You know, it's like, you know, that could be something new and different like we're talking about. You're going to need new hooks and new things to draw every time you come. So that could be one of those things. And we saw stardom did very well WrestleMania weekend and, and sold out their show. So it's like, you know. It, and again, that's a special. I get it. It's an out. It's WrestleMania weekend, and there's everyone's in town and everything. But um, you know, I think in the right cities, if Stardom came over, you know, every now and then, they could maybe draw uh, between five hundred and a thousand fans in certain cities. Maybe first time as a novelty. So I mean, you add them to these shows, you know, you're going to draw from a different pocket of fans that might not have went otherwise. So there's that to consider too. All right, so let's move on to, uh, while well, we're sticking with New Japan here, uh, the Super Junior Tag Tournament, just a little check-in here. That's ending November 1st on the uh, Power Struggle Show. November 3rd is uh, when we'll find uh, get the finals uh, of the tournament. But so far, the current standings, uh, as they uh, are, as of this recording, I'll uh, record this on a Thursday here, uh, Taguchi and Romero, uh, six points. Uh, Ishimura and Fantasmo also tied at the top with six points. Uh, Desperado and Kanemaru at four points. Volador and Teton at four. Sho and Yo at four. Osprey and Eagles at two, and then in dead last with zero, Tiger Mask and Uemura, and TJP and Clark Connors also at zero as well. So, Joe, you've had a chance to watch uh, a good, um, pr- pretty big majority of, of the matches on this tour so far. What have kind of stood out to you? What teams have really stood out? What's sort of the highlights so far that you can let people know about the tour if they've maybe been sleeping on it or not watching? Well, I saw the first two Corrigans, and I saw the first, like, single cam um, show where it's like only the tournament matches or whatever. So I saw the first three nights of the tour. So I can only speak to that. 
but through the first three nights, I mean, it's been it's better tour than it was last year, match quality wise. That is for sure. Um, last year, everything was like aggressively fine. You know, three and a quarter every single match. Um, you know, good matches, but you didn't really need to watch every night because you were seeing the same show every night. This has been much better. I mean, you know, there's some legitimate notebook matches on this tour. Any match that you see on paper that looks good to you is well is worth going is worth spending your time on. Is basically what I'm looking getting at. Like, if you're looking at it and saying, "Oh wow, you know, Cork and Hall, this uh, Phantasmo and Ishimori versus Birds of Prey match it looks good," you know, should, yeah, go watch it because everything that looks good on paper has delivered. And even you know the the Young Lion teams, you know, Tiger Mask with Yumura. They've had some excellent matches, and TJP, I mean, this guy, my God, I, it's, he has been so good on this tour. He's back in shape. Remember how he got out of shape at the end of the 205 Live run, where it was very obvious he didn't care? Oh, yeah, the new tattoo, the goatee, and the gut. Yeah, that was the please fire me starter kit. <laughs> he is showing up to work chisel. with, sneezing all over Vince McMahon, just doing whatever he could <laughs> to get fired. Hey, I, I got a new tattoo without telling anybody. Hey, I'm getting a little chubby, but I'm going to wear the same ring gear so the fat hangs over. And oh, yeah. Like, the, yeah, that was the I, starter set of please fucking fire me, please. And he got fired, yep, and so. he is just chiseled. He's in tremendous shape. And his work has just been so good. I didn't. I still haven't watched Super J Cup. I'm probably going to watch it in December when I'm frantically watching all the shit I haven't watched. So I can't speak to his work there. But you know, I've watched some indie matches with this guy since he's been released, and I watched this tour, and they are nuts if they don't start using him full time. I mean, he is so good. I he is right now between that and. A couple indie matches. I, I, I reviewed one behind the paywall. He wrestled Damian Slater in Australia. Damian Slater was in Cruiserweight Classic, people might remember. And um, it's a four and a half star match. I mean, it's, 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 and TJP was off the charts incredible in that match against Damian Slater. Like his performance was one of the five best individual wrestling performances I've seen this year in that match. Wow. So I'm I mean, going to have to check that one out for sure. I, I was I was planning on it this weekend, but yeah, I'll have to make it a, a mission to go check that one out. It's on YouTube for free. Rich, okay. there's no way you don't like that match. And his performance in particular, I mean, he can go down there to Australia with this match against Damian Slater and just show up and put it in cruise control. I mean, everything from his facial expressions to his mannerisms to the story that they told in the ring to... Um, you know his 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 uh, his gra- grappling early in the match, his selling, just an incredible performance, and he's been great on this tour, teaming with Clark Connors, and um, yeah, I mean, I've got Ishimori and Phantasmo against Birds of Prey at four and a quarter, um, Volador and Teton, Rich. I got to apologize to Volador. I've been burying this guy on every piece of audio we do for coming to Japan and not putting in an effort. He's been great. I've heard and that. that I've heard that it's actually reversed, that now he doesn't give a shit about CMLL and, and is putting some effort in New Japan. So I'm excited to see that because I, I always I always see that guy and I'm always like, fuck yeah, Valador Jr., let's go. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to have to start catching up on some of these matches uh, and seeing him because I usually just – he became an instant skip the last few years because, uh, yeah, he wasn't really putting effort in. But, man, I'm excited. I'm excited if he's good. Those guys versus Birds of Prey was great. I mean, I think that's one of the single camps. But um, everything on the Corkins was was very good. I haven't seen one match in this tournament that I was like, eh, I wish I didn't watch that. 
I mean, they've all delivered. It's it's, and I know a lot of people blow this tour off, but uh, you know, I'm not saying you need to go back and watch every match. But I would, if you pick the teams that you like and just watch their matches, you're not going to come away disappointed. I mean, the effort's been excellent, and um, you know, I'm I mean, I'm all in. I'm I'm going to watch all of it. Uh, you know, just because, and and you know, I'm kind of a completist, but um, yeah, definitely over delivering a tour that a lot of people thought wouldn't deliver. Because last year was just a little disappointing. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think last year I, you did daily audio, I believe, for last year. I, I think your biggest complaint was that just every match was like the same, <laughs> like no matter yes. what, like every guy was wrestling the exact same every single night, and every team was wrestling exactly the same every night, and the matches were getting, you know, yeah, you'd have a different team, but like every team felt exactly the same, like they were hitting all the same notes and all the same moves and everything, yes. kind of in sequence, and, and so that's not happening this year. Then you're saying people are, are no, I was I was reviewing the same show every night, and the only intriguing thing about last year was watching Shingo get in the ring with first-time opponents every night. That was fun. Um, this year, the matches are just, they're just really fucking good. I mean, um, yeah, this is not, it's not the same dynamic at all. Good. Well, that's, yeah, that's that's reassuring there. So, uh, as we said, there's still a bunch left to go uh, in the junior tournament. Uh, we have November 1st uh, is going to be the final night of it, and then the uh, finals we're going to find out. Uh, November 3rd at Power Struggle. Any any read on, on who you think is is going to merge? Like I said, right now, Taguchi and Romero and Ishimori and Phantasmo tied at the top. Uh, I got to imagine Birds of Prey probably get involved in that some way, but again, you don't really want them to maybe win that because you want to keep them, you know, you, presumably Will Ospreay hopefully is doing something more important uh, than a junior tag match at, at, at Dome, but uh, do you see those guys maybe rising up and getting into the finals? Is there, do you have any read for who's going to win this thing? Well, here's the thing. In a normal year, I'd say forget about Birds of Prey because Will Ospreay is going to be defending. But you got two nights. You got two nights, right. Two nights, so everything's out the window. Um, but the, the, the other problem here is Birds of Prey have already had four matches this year with Phantasmo and Ishimori, counting the match they had in Cork and to kick off the tour. How many more times can they do that match? So, especially if you do it again as the final, that'll be the fifth match. And then what do you get? Birds of Prey win and then do a sixth match? In the <laughs> that seems a little excessive. Even even for New Japan this year, that seems a little excessive. So New Japan usually caps it at four. I mean, here's what New Japan does. You usually get a three-match series, and then sometimes they go crazy and give you a four. When have you seen a five or a six? I mean, in one year, that's even excessive for them, like you're saying. So I don't think that that'll be the case, but then, you know, then who are you left with? So it's not going to be like Rocky and Taguchi, you wouldn't think. Um, you have the two young lion teams, you could throw them out. You could throw out the CMLL team. So you're looking at the list. I mean, who does that leave you with? Yeah, I mean, so you got Taguchi and Romero, which I, I, I guess. Yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ishimori and Phantasmo, I, I suppose. Well, they're the champs. What sense would it make? Exactly. There's no reason for that. And Show and Yo, I mean, that makes sense probably again. Go, but that's is. kind of boring, right? Isn't that a boring it's, pick? I mean, it it's is. It's boring as shit. But there's your winner. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. mean, so you're gonna get you're gonna get Phantasmo and Ishimori defending against Show and Yo at the Dome, at least on one of the shows. And I mean, yeah, it, that makes sense. It really does. And then that frees up Will Osprey to you know, defend the junior title against, you know, whoever it could be. Hiromu, of course, is always I'm not on doing the I'm not doing the Hiromu anymore. I'm done. I'm done predicting. I, it. I understand. I get it. But he, he, you got to concede he's one of the possibilities. I, I know. Mean, I know you don't want to, um, you know, do you think Liger might have to be a possibility? Right? I mean, Liger keeps saying he wants to wrestle somebody he's never wrestled before, though. So um, that's kind of why I throw it out. Why not Robbie Eagles? I mean, maybe, you know, you, you, 
Yeah, or well, Liger already has. It, am I correct in that they that old man tag teams? Is that just the one night, or is that both nights now? No, no, no. Okay, so one of his matches is announced. That's the eight man with all his pals. Got it, got it. Okay, okay. So that's only one of the two. Then one that of was, the two. That wasn't both nights that he's going to be involved with those. No, guys. it's got it, got it. Okay, the eight man tag with pals and rivals, and then the second night is a singles match, and he's saying he wants it to be someone he's never wrestled before. Could be just something he's saying. Who knows? And then remember, New Year Dash is in, in is in that OTA that that three thousand seat. Um, right. Oh, they expanded that this year. Right. 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 So they're getting that out of cork, and that's going to be in that three thousand seater, and that's going to be his retirement ceremony. His last match is the fifth, and then the ceremony is on the sixth. I take the week off of work. How are we going to cover all this shit? I have no idea. <laughs> You know, like that's a lot going on, and yes. you know that, like, a, and then you have all of the f- first week of, of January, all Japan, Noah, like they all run too, right? And it's you also know? like Christmas and New Year's. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. literally the busiest time of the year for my job too, which is great. Yeah, the ebook will be out that time too. So yeah, I'm just gonna kill myself now. So um, I have to get involved. In that again. I think I think we'll get ahead of the game on the ebook this year for sure because of all the shit that's going on. But uh, I say that, and then you'll be giving me your stuff, and you know. <laughs> January second at, yeah, you know, at eleven fifty nine p.m. After I'm like Joe, please, I'm begging you, please get this to me. Do you know how much I hate the end of the year with the book and the fucking match of the year and and, oh, God, and God, a match of the year. Oh, God, God damn it, so stressful. I quit. This is stupid. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Everyone subscribe, please. Yes. Because <laughs> if I didn't have a job, this would be a lot easier. VoiceWrestling.com slash Patreon. I would love the end of the year if I didn't have a job. So if. Everyone subs- listening to this subscribed. I promise you, I wouldn't go to work, and I would do this every day. I- Rich, you know the numbers. Oh yeah, yeah. Do that on your little fucking calculator. I can live on that. Oh, I'm gonna do it again just because I like doing it. I'll even go low. Let's see. Oh fuck yeah! You give me that per month. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. You give me that per month. Oh come on now. Without punching a clock, for sure. Yeah. That's six figures. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's uh, slightly, yeah, le- it, slightly less than what I make right now. <laughs> yeah, of course. My right, nine to five. Right? Yeah, be a pay cut, but I'll take it. <laughs> so, I mean, and then, I'll, listen, I'll write fucking three books a year, you know. But um, what were we talking about here? Yeah, so Liger, I, so Osprey. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, it's it's they don't have this the depth of their junior division they had a year ago because Hiromu's still out and. Dragon Lee is up in the air. Those are huge. And and Kushida's gone. So those are three big losses. They got to build up, guys. Look, Willow Spray is going to go heavyweight, and Robbie Eagles is going to be a big-time junior. I think there's no question about it. That's All of this Robbie Eagles, Willow Spray stuff is designed to slowly get Robbie Eagles over as the Chaos Junior. Right, right, right. But that's but the dome is too soon for that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, they're, they're going to play the long game with him, and, and then roughly so. Like get him to where, you know, they, and that's how they're, they're very cal- like similar to the, the America stuff. They're very calculated with how they push guys. So yeah, that that's, yeah, that's going to be a while. So that's how good has Eagles been it since a kind of a shaky start. I mean, oh, I love it. He, yeah, it's great. I love seeing that. I love seeing a guy struggle and, and not give up because he could have easily just said, "Fuck it, this is not going to work," or "I don't feel comfortable here," or whatever. And he just kept going and going and going, and now he's just a star. He's just a made man. And and credit to everybody involved in that too. Credit to guys like Will Osprey. Credit to anybody that that has really gone out there and and, and made him. And and Phantasmo, you can give him credit as well. Like and and I th- I don't think Will gets enough credit for that as well as is his ability 
to try his goddamn hardest to get everybody over that he's in the yeah. ring with. Like, and never loses anything from himself either. That That's an art. You know what I mean? Like, this guy, we said it, we say it all the time. Like, he, he probably wants to lose every single match that he wrestles. And they're like, no, Will, you're going to win this match, man. You got to win this. But if it was up to him, he'd go wrestle some dude, you know, in front of 200 people in, in Australia and lose and, and put the guy over and do all that. But it never affects him. And he's done that. He's done that. Robbie Eagles is a perfect example of that is, is he's done that sort of stuff. And, and it never, ever hurts him. It just he just keeps growing while all the other people start growing around him, too, which is, is fantastic. Like, he's kind of cultivated this own little junior division. In the light of, you know, Kushida no longer being around and, and, and Hiromu's injury and that sort of stuff is, is a lot of the guys now are like, you know, Osprey adjacent people that have been largely propped up by Will yeah. Osprey. So, I mean, it, he does not get enough credit for how great he is at doing that, of, of, of getting guys over while also not losing any of his steam as well in, in the process. And, and, and from a storyline perspective, it's never been more interesting because the juniors have always been, OK, these are the two guys feuding for the title and they're going to have three matches against each other. And then one guy's going to come away with the belt, and then he's going to feud with someone for three matches. And it's kind of been rinse, repeat. And Kushida always in the mix. And, but this whole thing with Eagles and, and ELP and Ishimori is just so interesting, and it's had so many steps to the story. And, um, but yeah, it's like he really, there's no clear dome match for him the more I think about it. If Hiromu doesn't come back, Hiromu's the obvious one if he comes back. But again, we're running, it's almost November, Rich. You know, and it's like, if he's coming back, they need to hurry up. Right, and that's why I'm done even like predicting it or thinking about it or whatever. When he comes back, it'll be great and it'll be a surprise for me, but I'm done being like, ah, that's probably Hiromu. Like, I've done that for, God, a year now at this point, so I'm just, I'm done, yeah. So then, it's like, where else do you turn? Is Desperado a big enough match? Hmm. It's probably not going to be Liger. Can you heat up a Robbie Eagles or TJP fast enough to get them over at that level where they're going to be third or fourth from the top on one of those two shows? These are all major questions that don't seem like firm. Oh, that's got to be it. I, I don't know. Unless I'm forgetting someone obvious. If El Phantasmo is wrapped up in a defending the tag title, you throw him out the window. Um, Ishimori, same thing. But again, two shows. It's a really good question. And maybe we're missing someone obvious and people are screaming at their devices. But I don't think we are. All right. So that is New Japan. Let's move on to some other stuff here across the wrestling world. Let's go to Impact Wrestling, Joe. The Impact on Access era is beginning. I believe it began this week. It was just a clip show, though, if I remember correctly, uh, this week. But uh, they're now on Access, Joe. A new era. They are, quote, hard to kill. And their next pay-per-view is going to be called uh, Hard to Kill. But uh, in terms of this we're going to talk about bound for glory the pay-per-view uh from sunday sunday october 22nd uh, villa park my backyard the odium expo center unfortunately uh i double booked myself so i wasn't able to go to the show but uh i was able to watch all of the show which was pretty fun uh what do you think overall of bound for glory before we kind of go match by match here worst pay-per-view of the don Callis scott Demore regime see now when you With say that- worse did you like it though still or did you think it was bad Nah, I thought it was a slightly below average show that I I cannot say I enjoyed pound for pound. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I didn't I didn't finish watching this show thinking ah, I enjoyed myself. I finished watching this show thinking ugh, this I did not. I wasted 
I kind of wasted three hours. Oh, see, I, I, so I came away not, not loving it. Like, you know, last year's Slammiversary was like my show of the year. Like that was a, a, a great, and then like pretty much all the chaos air pay-per-views have been like remarkably good, like shockingly yeah. great. This one I came away with going, okay, this is fine. You know, this was an okay show, uh, an okay pay-per-view. I didn't hate it maybe as much as you did, but I certainly didn't like, I didn't have that same sort of vibe. Like after those other shows, I was like, this is awesome. I can't wait to talk about this. Like God, Slammiversary, I went on live and like we did a you know thing and there was even like the homecoming show and all that sort of, there was a bunch of really, really good stuff. The last year's Bound for Glory uh, in Toronto was awesome as well. So there's been, all these pay-per-views have been really, really good. This wasn't that, but it wasn't, I didn't think it was bad. I didn't feel like I wasted three hours. I just ultimately felt like it was I, I don't know. It just was fine. Like, when it was done, I was like, all right, yeah, it's done. And then I just kind of, I clicked out, and then I probably didn't think about it until now we're talking about it right now. So that's, yeah, from I mean, that that's standpoint, kinda, yeah, I mean, it's not it's like. kind of where I'm at. I yeah. mean, we're kind of in the same place. Uh, but there was really only two matches here that I liked. And when you have a, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, was it seven match, or was it? Um, uh, it was seven. seven. Yeah, two darks, but uh, yeah, yeah, seven, seven pay per view matches. Yeah, so it's like you got to give me more than two matches where that I enjoyed. The rest I just didn't like. So I didn't think anything was like horrendous. But yeah, but I think pretty easily the worst pay per view of the Callus, the more regime for sure. No, definitely, and uh. I was pretty disappointed that the uh, the, the the one match, so like one of the f- matches I was really anticipating. I guess I've, if I would have went live, I would have been able to see it. But uh, uh, the Rascals versus Wagner Jr. Aerostar and Taurus was a dark match. Unfortunately, I was like, "Fuck!" But in its place, Joe, in its place, we got the opener here, which I wanted to start off with a thirty-minute Bound for Gold gauntlet match. Uh, the winner can choose a championship match of their choice. Basically, a Royal Rumble style match here. Uh, Eddie Edwards winning by uh, last eliminating Malabala Shira. Uh, this. This fucking stunk. <laughs> this was 30 minutes. I really could. Like, the novelty of it being a, oh, who's going to come out next? Oh, it's a Battle Royal war off within, like, 10 minutes. And this fucking thing just kept going and going and going. And I cannot believe 30 minutes was devoted to this at the beginning of the show. This really dragged the show down from the start. This was um, way too gimmicky. Um, you know, it's just, it was a clown show. There were too many, there was too much... Of like, ha ha ha, I can't believe this guy's in this thing. You know, it's like uh, Hornswoggle and all these old ECW guys. And um, every time they bring out a woman, the announcer's going crazy that there's a woman in the match. And- yeah, which, like, it, it lost its appeal when there was, like, six women in the match. And I'm like, yeah. all right, it's not that big of a deal that Jordan Grace is in. There's, like, four other women in the ring. Like, we get it. Like, there are a well, lot of women in this match. Like, I can tell you, Rich, that, as you know, I did the impact media call today. I say today that they were recording. Um, and we're going to put that up behind the paywall. Um, some of my thoughts on the media call and then the entire media call itself. We're going to put that behind the paywall at some point, probably by the time a lot of people hear this. I was on that media call and I could tell you just listening to Scott DeMore because he got asked a million questions about intergender, including by me, that they are fully committed to this. This is an intergender promotion mm-hmm. moving forward. I mean, they talked about how the titles are to be contested by anyone on the roster at any time. And this, and Damore was saying, he must have said four different times on the call, this is 2019, this is anyone can wrestle anyone. I don't understand how people are still debating this topic anymore. He must have said that a half a dozen times. So 
it's this is something with the intergender that they're leaning into heavily. He also noted that in order for Impact to stand out, they're going to have to do things like intergender that other places aren't doing. I don't like intergender wrestling. And for me personally, like with Beyond Wrestling and Impact and some of the other companies that heavily emphasize it, it's kind of a turnoff for me and it makes me not want to watch those companies. But I don't disagree with his philosophy. I do think Impact needs stuff like that to try to help make them different. Right. They need to differentiate themselves from the market. And if, if WWE is going to shy away from it on AEW per the, the mouth of Tony Khan is going to shy away from it, then yeah, maybe that's sort of a hook that they need. And and that's like, I'm perfectly fine with that. Like, again, like I'm not a huge fan of it and it's, it's going to be kind of a turnoff for me uh, for some of the stuff that they do just because I don't know. I just don't really, I'm just, we, we've, we've had that show many, many times. Go back and listen three years ago. Go back and listen four years. We, we talked about it enough, but to me, I'm fine with it if you're going to do it, but then don't make it. Oh my God, Jordan Grace is in this match. Like then just do it. Just have Jordan Grace come out. But this match, like you said, everybody, every new woman that came out was like, oh, my God, she's in this match. And it's like, well, OK, if it's going to be that, if those walls are broken down, then, then we don't need to have that sort of rigmarole every single fucking time of, oh, my God, I can't believe Tessa Blanchard's wrestling men. This is unbelievable. Like, just do it then, you, you know, and, and they still there's still that tinge of it. So I don't know if that's one you know hand not talking to the other or maybe they're going to drop that now that it's become sort of a, a thing that they're going to really hone in on. But, yeah, you don't need to do the, oh, my God, it's unbelievable. She's in this match. Like, you don't need that anymore. So. Uh, why do you have a knockouts title then? I mean, I had a chance to ask him, I guess, but I just thought of it now. Just get rid of that. I mean, if you're going to do it, have some guts and do it. Right? For sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have, if, if this was their plan, I would have, you know, gotten the wheels in motion for Tessa. And when, as we're recording this, uh, rumors are going on that she might be done with impact. Um, which would explain why she lost the X division match. Right. But, but. The other thing is, like, um, you know, someone did ask, well, I asked, I asked him straight up if there were people on the roster uncomfortable with it, and he kind of blew it off. But then someone asked him later, and he admitted, he said, there are women on the roster who don't want to do it, and we don't pressure them, and we respect it. So, and Rich, we've had that conversation privately with people a million times. You'll, they'll, the women who do, don't want to do intergender, you're never going to hear them say it publicly because they're, they don't want to bury themselves. They don't want to, they want to be quote unquote, one of the boys. They, you know, it, 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 they don't want to drag down. They don't want to be part of a controversy. There's a lot of women's wrestlers who don't want to do intergender. Right. Or, or we've heard from some that feel pressured into doing it and don't really yes. like to do it, but feel like they are at their point in their careers where they can't say, no, I don't want that. No, I don't want to face, you know, him or whatever. And, and, and just do it anyway, because they feel they have to. And that's, that's kind of shitty too. So that's real shitty. But he, he said that there's straight up people who do, you, you'll hear it when you listen and they don't, and you know, they respect that. So maybe that's why you keep the knockouts title around or whatever. Right. 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 But, but so, you know, I get it, but that, you know, I, I they're going to, they're, they're, and here's the other thing. Being that they're, the network they're on is the same, you know, Anthem owns the network and owns Impact. And they're not beholden as much to sponsors as these other companies. They're not be, the, the network is the same company. So there's less pressure, outside pressure, not to do intergender. So they're almost perfectly positioned to do it because they're never going to get guffed from their network. They're never going to get guff from like sponsors because there aren't even commercials on Axis, really. 
right? Because they don't sell commercials on, on that network. So who's going to tell them not to do it? So they are perfectly positioned to fill that intergender niche on a major league basis. So I don't even disagree with the strategy, even if it's, I'm not a huge fan of it and it does nothing for me. And as we'll get to when we talk about Tessa, I've yet to see any business benefit to it. But yes, this battle royal stunk. It was a wannabe Royal Rumble that came off like a second-rate clown show. And the whole problem here is it determined the title shot. And I hate that. If you want to do this as a silly like opener or pre-show match where it's just all of your jobbers and you want to do some comedy and you want to get Sabu and Hornswoggle in there, whatever. It is what it is. But this is, an, in theory, an important match. Right. And I got Tommy Dreamer and Hornswoggle biting people's asses and Joey yeah. Ryan sticking his dick in people's faces and stuff, which is fine. Like, again, if it's going to be, hey, this is our Geek Battle Royal that's starting off the show. But no, it's like the winner of this can choose any title that they want. And then, like, it's just a parade of, of clowns coming in the ring. Yeah, it, it, it kind of hurts it. It's the same problem I had with the Double or Nothing Battle Royal. Right. That determined someone who was going to their world title match. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Presumably the biggest match in the company's history was determined by, yeah, a battle royal that was 95% yeah. geeks. So. so why do you have all these indie geeks in it? It doesn't, it, it, you know, that, 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 you know, it, same deal here. So that's the problem I have with this. Yeah, this was ups, absolute utter shit. Yeah, it went way too long, too. Yeah, 15 minutes. How about, how about what do you think of uh, Mahabali Shira, Monster Heel? I couldn't believe it, so I haven't watched Impact in a while. Yeah. So they said, oh, that's Shira. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. And he's going to come in. And he just comes in. He's just started, like fucking taking heads off. And I'm like, whoa, holy shit. Like, I, this is not the Shira that I remember. I kind of like it. I mean, he's bad, but um, I, I don't know. I kind of like, he's a big beefcake and he's a big fucking house so i kind of like this idea of a malabala sheer like guy who takes dudes heads off and it's just a big badass i like it it's different it's not the sheer shuffle anymore but i, I kind of like this here's the the one upside is he doesn't have to sell yes right because <laughs> he's bad at wrestling so all you have to do right. is say hey shoulder block people and then look menacing and flex and and he could do that pretty well like he's not bad that's right so i'm not even being facetious it it, it, it takes away half of the game for him and makes it easy he doesn't right. have to sell it's the you know, it's the ECW nine one one theory. He didn't have to wrestle; he could just come out and choke slam people and get over, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, Eric Bischoff didn't get that memo. So, yeah, and then you know, then you got Tombstone Al trying to wrestle matches. <laughs> Eric Bischoff lost, and like you say, he's a fraud. But it's the same thing. Like Shira doesn't have to sell. Here's the downside: everyone remembers him as a joke, so it's hard to shake that without changing his gimmick completely, like without giving him a mask or giving him a new identity. And the other thing is he sucks so bad. He's really bad. <laughs> that he can't even do like the power spots clean. Did you, did you notice that? Like I've been watching Impact and you haven't. So yeah, he tried to do like a gorilla press and he like lost the guy. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> like that's like, you know, just be able yeah. to lift person, like just lift a guy over your head. And that's, you know, even that's kind of a struggle for him. So, yeah. So I feel like those are the two things where it's not going to work, but they're giving it the old college try. Rich. I, hey, you know what? Go for it, man. If it, it breaks big in India, he's still a fucking YouTube draw, man. If, if you look at those YouTube videos, if Malabalashira is in a YouTube video, that shit gets a ton of views. So he is, he's still a draw in that sense. So, Hey, you know, well, why do you think Kavita Devi is still employed by WWE? Oh, what do you mean? Cause she's a great talent, Joe. She's not fucking Minami Toyota. Okay. That's not why she's there. So, uh, do you notice that whenever I do my he's not or she's not, I always use 
Minami Toyota for women and Kenta Kobashi for men. <laughs> you do always use Kenta Kobashi. I should it's... probably mix it up a little. You know what I mean? Like, um, but those are always like, for whatever reason, those are the ones that. Well, I mean, that, hey, they're like great wrestlers and the best draws of their eras. They're fucking charisma magnet. I mean, they're they're explosion of charisma. And they're great in ring. I mean, those are probably the best examples, man. You know, you know? Those I are the best to, uh, of all time. So, hey, I listen to Mad Dog Russo, and every time like he wants to say that a baseball player, like when he does the same thing, every time it's Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> every course, single time. Yeah, pipe down. He's no Joe DiMaggio. You know, like every fucking time, like, and I feel like every time I do it, it's Kenta Kobashi. Like, I, I, I promise you, next time, I'm not going to say Kenta Kobashi. I am going to say Minami Toyota though, because I don't know many more excellent Joshi wrestlers. I got to be honest. Like your all time grades. Well, she was also like that charisma level too. That's just an. Uh, oh, she uh, was incredible. You know what? Yeah. I'll use Akira. I'll use Hakuto. How about that? Akira Hakuto. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you can use that. No, no, no. Aja Kong. Use- yeah, yeah. But yeah, Hakuto and, and 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 Miami Toyota. Bolotano. Yeah. Fucking. Uh, a crush, crush girl. Yeah, I was gonna say the crush girls. Yeah, there you She's go. She's no crush girls. She's no jaguar, right? But uh, yeah. So anyway, why wasted a lot of time on this? Battle. We really did. Yeah, we wasted almost as much time as they did. Uh, then we had Taya Valkyrie uh, defeating Tennille Dashwood for the Knockouts Championship. Joe, I watched this match. <laughs> I hope you have some thoughts because I don't know if I have a single thought on Taya Valkyrie and Tennille Dashwood. But this is what I mean. It was just a series of <laughs> like I watched this match, and Joe. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you one spot. As I'm thinking in my head, I'm having this freak out of, did I actually watch this? And I know I did. It somehow went 11 minutes and 50 seconds. I don't remember a single fucking thing from it. You want to know the problem with this match? Taya Valkyrie is no Minami Toyota. <laughs> and Tennille Dashwood is no Akira Hokuto. Okay? That's the problem here. Rich, they're not very good. I do not get Taya Valkyrie, and I've never understood Taya. She's just not that good. I guess she's got a nice look. I it's don't know. It's a good know. look. It's a good look. And, and the presentation's kind of cool and stuff. But yeah, yeah. Once, once the bell rings, it gets kind of... Then the Bruce Pritchard gimmick, right? Then the bell rings. And Tennille Dashwood stinks. She sucks, yeah. She's not good. So what you had here was a little impact match that made no impression on anyone. Did you know that Taya Valkyrie is the longest reigning knockouts champion of all time? I did. I did know that. I don't know how. Um, I think well, they told Matthew me. Said it. <laughs> I think Josh Matthews said it. times today, so I, it, it was drilled into my brain. Um, uh, can I talk about that again for uh, just a brief second? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I don't know who these goofballs are that they fucking put on these media calls, and I'm embarrassed to be a part of this group of people. Okay, number one. How many times, and I hope some of them are listening, after the first person asked Taya Valkyrie what it feels like to be knockouts champion, that's your cue not to ask her that again. At least a half a dozen people asked Taya Valkyrie, oh, Taya, how does it feel to be knockouts champion? <sighs> not only did she answer the question already, who fucking cares? Why would you ask that? a terrible that? question, yeah. <laughs> Why would you even ask that to begin with? Because you're going to get she- a generic two-word, an- two-sentence answer with no follow-up, no backup. And you know the answer already. She's not going to say, that fucking sucks. You know what? I hate being knockouts champion. It's really a lot of work. I wish I wasn't the knockouts champion. I wish I was just on the raw. Like, it's a great honor. It's unbelievable to be, you know, with the, 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 I didn't listen to the call. I don't know what the answer was, but it was probably, oh, it's an unbelievable feeling. It's, you know, the best to be, you know, recognized as the top in your class of wrestlers or whatever. And I joined such, you know, luminaries as insert random names here or whatever. So it's, it's quite the honor. The end. She was asked a derivative of, What's it feel like to be knockouts champion? And what's it feel like to be the longest reigning knockouts champion? No less than six to eight times. I'm not kidding. And we're going to put the auto up as proof. 
and I'm just rolling my fucking eyes. Like, here's the thing. Not only is it a repeat question, it's a question. Who fucking cares what that answer is? Why would you even care what she has to say to that to that question? I could, it, it doesn't I even make a good headline. Up. It doesn't even make Taya Valkyrie finds being impact champion rewarding. Like, who cares? Okay. It's like you don't. Here's the thing: if you don't have good questions to ask, don't sit ask there silently and don't ask any. Right. Because you can still get you can still I mean, I, I many times I, in my days of doing, you know, high school reporting or whatnot, you know, doing football, basketball games or whatever. There were times where I was with some pretty heavy hitters in the Chicago, you know, high school. Re- and, and, and I was like 19, 20, 21 at this point. A lot of times they would just rifle off question after question after question. And I was like, fuck, they're getting good quotes. I'll let this thing ride. Like I would maybe ask one thing or or I wouldn't at all. They don't care. Like if these guys are asking the questions and you're getting the quotes, you're fine. Like that's all you need. So if I didn't want to chime in and just go, yeah, what does it feel like to get this win? Like, you know, they're not going to Yeah, it's great. We won. We want to win. Like, uh, you know, I wasn't going to sit there and ask those questions so that if are if there are people giving good questions and you're getting good content out of it, you don't need to. To, to be a part, you don't have to say something. You don't have to ask a shitty question, but people don't know any better. So, yeah, that's it's kind of the uh, state of wrestling journalism at this point, unfortunately. So. It's so brutal. These people are so bad. I mean, they're just terrible. Uh, you well, know, they want, which, they want surface level headline bullshit. So that, that's all it is. It's just they want one story where they can put two lines in there, or embed a tweet, and 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 post it from there. That's that's what we're looking at these days. Yeah, it, it was it was pretty brutal. But uh, yeah, the match yeah. was. A- <laughs> How does it feel? It's good. <laughs> oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. So then we had the triple threat tag team match for the Impact World Tag Team Titles. The North successfully defending their titles against Rich Swan and Willie Mack and Rhino and Rob Van Dam and Joe. Unbelievably, after about I don't know 14 minutes of the match, working you know competently back and forth, Rob Van Dam just throws a fucking super kick and hits Rhino and turns on him. Rob Van Dam turns heel, and we're getting the much anticipated Rob Van Dam Rhino feud. Uh, in Impact Wrestling this year, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, I really enjoyed the interactions with Ethan Page, uh, or the North, I should say, and, and, and Swan and Willie Mack. Uh, I really didn't see why Rhino and Robin Dam had to be in this match at all, and then especially when it was over, I was just like, yeah, I really could have done without any involvement well, now you those two guys. So. They did the angle, that's why. I guess. But why, so, so what, what's the, give me in the mind of a Rob Van Dam who works this match for 14 minutes and then turns on his teammate. Yeah. Do I have to tune in to, do I have to tune in to Impact to find out, I guess? Again. Motivations, yeah. We talked about it at the time. It was part of the utter perfection and brilliance of the Kenta turn. You know, he didn't get in there and fight the guys he was teaming with. But, you know, they don't think about shit like that. And, uh, again, this was just basically a, an impact match with an angle at the end. This could have been on impact. Yeah, it could have been on any of those weekend shows that they ran, um, you know, around the Chicago area. So A lot of people like this match, though, believe it or not. I mean, I thought it was good. Any interaction with the North and, and, and Swan and Willie Mack, I really liked. Uh, like I said, the Rhino RVD stuff I had no use for. RVD played the hits, and it's like, I, you know, I've seen those same fucking sequence of moves. And I, I love Rhino. Rhino Dam's one of like, my all-time favorites, but it's like, yeah. you know, he's doing the same stuff he did in 2002 at this point. And it's like, okay, I get it. Like, yeah, I mean, at this point, look, he's a fun-loving, divorced guy, pushed in 50, banging his girlfriend and all of her friends. Like, that's... He's living that's, life. Yeah, he's getting high and banging his, his, his girlfriend with her gigantic ass. So, I mean, yeah. he's winning. He's, he's definitely doing better than I am. I'm punching a clock and, <laughs> you know, like. But you're not going to get inspired pro wrestling performances out of him at this point. So, but he's definitely, you know, living a tremendous life at, at, at this stage of his, uh, of his, uh, you know, I, I, he's not, it's not going to be like Dave Meltzer was with the existential crisis, uh, you know, on, on Wrestling Observer Radio. I think Rob Van Dam would have a very different outlook on, uh, on his aging. Certainly, right yes. 
All right. Um, so there's that. I, I mean, the match is fine, but yeah, the big the big angle there is, is RVD turns on Rhino. So yeah, I, it was it was a match that happened. I don't know. I don't. Uh, then we had Michael Elgin versus Marafuji. So I found this pretty interesting. He's not Naomichi because uh, nobody can apparently pronounce Naomichi, including Michael Elgin, including Josh Matthews and Katie, uh, including Don Callis. So he was just Marafuji. One name, Marafuji. And then on the graphic, when he came out, it said Marafugi. So that's uh, not great. <laughs> not great. But uh, what do you think of uh, Elgin versus Marafuji? I wanted to ask about Marafugi today. Uh but you get two questions. So that had to be one of the ones I cut. Uh, did you see uh, that he's leaned into it a little bit? That he had a, a tweet. I forget or if it was a tweet or, or maybe it was on Instagram. I don't know where uh, where Marifuji is is active. But it was essentially something like, no, nah, I'm not Marifuji. I'm Marifuji. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that's pretty good, man. Like, So he was probably a little annoyed about that. So yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you be? They get rid of your first name. Because we're Americans and we're too dumb. It's Naomichi. Like, you know, like we're idiots. Like, we pretty mispronounce every... I have yeah. never once not known how to say Naomichi Marafuji. The first time I saw the guy, I, I, it was probably a Ring of Honor show back in the day. Because he, he worked some of those old Ring of Honor shows. The old, them, yeah. yeah, so they said Naomichi Marafuji. And I was like, oh, all right, cool. There we go. <laughs> that's good to go. Like, that's, that's, I've never once been, ooh, Nao, Nao, Nao. It's Naomichi. It's like one of the easiest ones you could ever come up with. So the idea that like, well, we're just gonna we're just gonna strike that one for the record. There's no way anyone's gonna be able to get that one. Is is kind of it's weird. It's a little nitpicky, but it's like years and years of this shit, and we should be past this at this point. So like, yeah, I agree. Um, I thought this was the best match on the show. I think that the first five to eight minutes, I was like, uh oh, Marafugi is hurting, and it's gonna be one of those nights where he just. You know how he is. Yeah. Oh, and it was it was definitely that for the first five ten minutes, like you're saying. Like I'm like, oh no, he's 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 getting that check and walking out of this ring. And he's not doing anything more than the, the bare minimum for you. So I was a little worried the same about the same point you were as well. Yeah. Um. But then, man, did this pick up? And you know, the last two thirds of this match were 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 really good, and and you know, it got it to notebook level, low notebook. Um. So, to me, this was my this edges out the main event, just because it's more my style of match. You know what I mean? Sure. Because um, I, I I don't know where you're going to stand on the ladder match. I didn't like it. I know a lot of people really loved the ladder match. Um, but yeah, I thought the work here was excellent. Once they got going in it, and it and and you saw that Marafuji was going to put in some effort and wasn't going to have one of his nights where he just sleepwalks through the match. And to be fair, his body is just destroyed. So yeah, you, even- you could say you're not getting you're not getting 2004, you know, <laughs> Fuji anymore. That's yeah, just but- never ever going to happen anymore. But what this is the best that you can get out of 2019, you know, Naomi Fuji in terms of the chops, in terms of the kicks, in terms of doing just enough here. And and that's the thing. I think a lot of people might think of this match, or maybe they haven't seen you know Fuji in a while. And I think they maybe went into this with weird expectations because, like, I you know I know what he's at. You know, these days, I know what he's going to wrestle like. So when you see him come out there, I know that there are people that, that still have this other idea. I know when I was talking with people about this match, they were like, oh, man, it's going to be awesome. And I was like, eh, just to, just to let you know, like, Marifuji isn't what you kind of remember if you're not keeping up with Noah anymore. But they worked it very hard hitting, very sort of it, it had the, the feel of like not necessarily like, you know, a classic Marifuji match, not necessarily even a classic Michael Elgin match. But it felt very much to me kind of like a, a, a almost kind of like a 2019 All Japan match where it's just like, you know, very methodical at times, a little slow at times, very hard hitting. And just kind of like when it was over, Michael Elgin just hit his move and it was just over. And there wasn't like a ton of kickouts. There wasn't a ton of, you know, back and forth. There, it's just like guys, you know, 
got got an advantage. You know, the other guy would get an advantage. The other guy would get the momentum, and then like the guy would just beat him. And it was just like kind of a classic, simple processing story. But but I really did enjoy it too. It really did pick up after, like you said, after those first five or ten minutes or so. Rich, he didn't just hit his move. He hit the burning hammer. Yeah, right, right. So some symbolism there that was lost on a lot of people, well, including Josh Matthews. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, Josh Matthews get with the pro. I mean, come on. <laughs> you should know the burning hammer, man. Like, you do the, know the emerald. Okay, you got like, at least like, I, and I don't know. I don't know if they do this. Like, I know most guys, you know, most wrestling will say. You know, Elgin will go up to him and say, hey, I'm going to do this here tonight, and that's an important move, and yada, 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 or whatever. I don't know if that happened. I don't know whose result that was, but it's still the fucking Burning Hammer. You know what I mean? Like, Josh, you should maybe know the Burning Hammer and, and maybe know the Emerald Flosion, too. It's like, you know, I feel like those are the two moves you kind of have to know with these guys. But, yeah, like you said, it's just like, wow, Elgin with an impressive move on her pooch. And I'm like, it's very impressive. Yes, you're right. It is. It is. Yeah, it is one of the more protective moves in, in wrestling. But, yeah. I okay. mean, and Elgin stood there. Center of the ring, <laughs> facing hard cam, and posed before he did it to like, you know what I mean? Like he's a wrestling nerd. He gets it, and there, there's a lot of symbolism into why he did it. And it, yeah, you're right. I mean, Matthews is just, I don't know, but um, <laughs> I just didn't nail it. But hey, that's a theme for today, I, I think, or this week is uh, bad play-by-play announcers. So. Yeah. Anyway, then we had the intergender ladder match, X Division title. Uh, Ace Austin wins the title. He defeats Jay Chris, Tessa Blanchard, Daga, and Ace Romero. And they announced that Ace Romero has uh, signed a contract with Impact as well. So he is now there. Uh, and then, yeah, so what do you think of, of Ace Austin, guy who fucks people, <laughs> winning the uh, X Division title? I like, I like his pivot from weird card magician guy to, like, dude who fucks people. I, I, I enjoy that a lot. So A storyline that's got the more put over as one of the new innovative storylines. <laughs> Ace Austin fucks people. I like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about Swinger? Like, he's a literal swinger. I do enjoy that. That is pretty sweet, yeah. I, yeah, and it's like when he does his his uh, promos and stuff and his backstage stuff, it's presented VHS style in 4-3 ratio with tracking bars going through it. Which is pretty sweet. They mentioned, I, I think they mentioned as well during the uh, the Geek Battle Royal uh, that he had 8x10s, but they were just like printed out on like, they were like black and white and printed out on like dot matrix paper and then put yeah. into like an laminate. And I was just like, hell yeah, that's fucking awesome. Like, yeah. I'm now a Johnny Swinger guy. Like I was, I was, I was bad mouthing a little bit because I'm like, why are you bringing back Johnny Swinger? But if you're going to lean into it, like fucking lean into it, man. It's great. It's kind of goofy that I like. It's, it's, you know, some things land with you and some don't. And, um, that has definitely landed with me, but yeah, he's Austin. Yeah. He like talking about fucking Eddie Edwards wife. Like that's his storyline right now. Everybody wants to fuck Alicia Edwards, man. It's, it's that poor, (laughs) poor woman. Yeah. Uh, She just wants to go to like, she just wants to sit backstage. Everyone's just trying to bang her all the time. It's unbelievable. So, and, and, and Ace Romero, good signing. I feel like they were calling him AC Romero. And, I don't know if it's because they have his impact name is AC, as in A C E Y, or maybe just A dot C dot, or because it says AC baby on his tights that right. Josh Matthews is just stupid. Oh, you're right. I didn't think of that. I just thought they called him AC Romero because yeah, he's Ace Romero, but nickname is AC baby. If you're not familiar with Ace Romero, but yeah, right. they're they're announcing him as AC Romero, which is right. So I'm watching the match, thinking, okay. Maybe they changed his name to because you know he do promotion. Maybe he changed the name a little for whatever reason. Maybe they already have Ace Austin and they don't want two Aces. Oh God, we're doing know. that. <laughs> oh, geez, I'm just saying. Like, yeah, you're right. You're not wrong. That's probably. I'm thinking in my head because they're calling him AC. But then I'm thinking, wait a minute. Maybe Josh Matthews is just 
dumb. And he thinks his name is AC because it says AC baby on his tights. I would like the official answer to that. Once again, I was limited to two questions today. Because <laughs> believe me, I love that. Life. I love that. You know, somebody's asking Taya, how do you feel, you know, about winning matches? And, and you're like, hey, what the fuck's up with this AC Romero bullshit? Like, yeah. Is Josh well, just dumb or is this his name? Like, I love it. It's unbelievable. You know, one of the questions I didn't get to either, I wanted to ask about Killer Cross, obviously. Well, yeah, no, that should have been question number two is, are you going to let this guy out of his contract? Or are you just going to keep dicking him over? And so I went with two other questions, right? Because I figured someone's gonna someone <laughs> probably else. gonna ask the killer cross question. Yeah. yeah, I said, look, the killer cross question's a layup. I don't have to waste one of my. I was being strategic, so I thought I don't have to ask about killer cross because someone's definitely gonna ask about that, right? So I, 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 that one didn't make my cut, and I asked my other two questions, and then no one asked about killer cross, Rich, <laughs> until the very last person they called on. And I don't remember the guy's name because I would definitely put him over if I remembered his name. But I'm going to listen back and praise and find him on Twitter and thank him. Because I'm like in the little chat room going, someone ask about Killer Cross. How can no one ask this? And I'm going to be mad at myself for not asking, right? But I was giving these people way too much credit, like benefit of the doubt that someone else would do it. But finally, someone came through. But uh, yeah, I don't know what Ace Romero's name is. Anyway, this match, people are mad because Tessa didn't win. But as you noted, it might be because she's she's leaving. We don't know. Um, can I just say that Daga is not very good? Can he's I say not. That? Yeah, you always think like, because you see him and he looks like, you know, he looks like he should be good, but he's just really not that good. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen him live Daga. a few times and I'm always like, oh yeah, Daga, this is going to be sweet. And I'm like, oh yeah, he's, he's just not. This isn't very good. Like you're waiting for this guy to be good and he's never good. I he give looks up. great. Like he looks awesome. Like he looks like he'd be fucking fantastic, but. No, he's, he's, he's just, <laughs> he's a total jag. Jaga. He's now Jaga. Um, Tessa Blanchard. Now here's the thing, whether she's leaving or not, I don't understand why everybody's all up in arms that she didn't win the match because she's either leaving or they're building her up for a bigger win than the dopey X division title in a ladder. Right, right, right. There's one or two scenarios. I would either on how this was such a huge egregious mistake. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, and she got screwed at the end by Ace Austin, you know, and here's the other thing. And this is the hard conversation we have to have about Tessa Blanchard. Okay. She is so overrated as a star. I get that people like her. There are 2,000 people per week watching this show on Twitch. Okay? Tessa Blanchard does not move the needle. Can we calm down with Tessa Blanchard? She's a nice little wrestler. She's not some kind of star. And this idea that Tessa Blanchard is getting screwed and they need to just push it. Where is the evidence that she's moving the needle in any discernible way? In fact, Rich, I would argue the opposite. That ever since they've been leaning into intergender and leaning into Tessa Blanchard, challenging men and being on top, that less people are interested in impact. Is it because of the intergender? Right. Is it causal or, or, or yeah, yeah, we, we don't right. know that for sure. That I don't know. And it could be. It very well could be. Okay. Because I am still of the belief that intergender is very popular among a very small vocal minority of people on social media and not very popular at all outside of that bubble. That's my personal belief. Can I prove it? No. Do I have a lot of anecdotal evidence? Yes, I do. But 
I can't prove it. But that's just my belief. I could be wrong. And I, I'm, I'd be happy to be proven wrong if this new impact strategy takes off. But this idea that Tessa Blanchard needs it. She is the biggest star in the company. And not, why are they not putting the titles on her? And I can't believe they're treating her this way. And how did she not win this match? Rich, they did the rematch with Sammy Callahan. It didn't draw. It didn't draw. It didn't sell tickets. And it didn't draw on Twitch. So this whole Tessa Blanchard is, is this star being held. Show me the evidence. Yeah, she is so overrated. As a, I mean, and, and believe me, I, you know, I hate to continue the bit. She's no Aja Kong either. Can we calm down with Tessa Blanchard, the wrestler? She's okay. She's good. She's not this, like, you know, uh, uh, fucking game-changing talent. Yeah, she's this dynamo. She's not this dynamo that you just can't, like, it's unbelievable they're not doing, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like no. this, this unbelievable, unbeatable, like, obvious superstar that they're just choosing to, you know, not push or choosing to not, you know give the title to and all that sort of stuff which again like you said there, there's two scenarios that come with her not winning this match and I did see a lot of people getting upset about it too is like A I don't want her in the X Division title no matter what no matter what the next step is with her if if I'm Impact and like you said you're leaning into the, the you're, you're Scott Demore and you're leaning into the intergender you're doing all that sort of stuff I'm then whether it's good bad or whatever I'm saying okay look let's see if we can get Tessa to that level let's really shake the ground here let's see if you know hell what can we lose you know if we give her the world title and I think that would be the one path I would kind of go on, or there's the path of she's leaving and she's going to go get a big money deal somewhere else. Or impact's going to pay a lot for her if they can, which I doubt they could. And, and she's going to be a hot commodity. AEW's going to want her. WWE's going to want her. Everyone's going to want her. So there's one of two scenarios and neither of those is she wins the X division title on the you know fourth match on the bottom from the show or whatever. There, there's no point in that, that, that is, that is so missing the force from the trees or whatever for, for that. I mean, there's the two scenarios you want her. She's either gone and, and you don't want her winning the title or she's on her bigger and better things. Like there's just no scenario where her winning the dopey X division title is, is, is worthwhile whatsoever. So rich Jake Christ came into this match with that title. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it's geeks. They're geeks. I mean, who gives a shit, you know? And it's like, look, I, look, when I get annoyed when something I think is being overinflated or overrated or whatever, I tend to go a little hard the other way. I granted she's a good wrestler. Okay, she's improved a ton. I used to think she stunk, and I've watched her improve, and I've noted her improvements, and I do think she's an excellent wrestler, one of the best women's wrestlers in America right now. I, you know, but it's like I think people just go way overboard with the Tessa stuff. And again, I hate to hammer this home. Okay, Impact on Pursuit with Tessa being pushed was doing less than five thousand viewers a week. Impact on Twitch with Tessa being pushed has dropped uh, to 2,000 viewers, 2,500 viewers a week. When at th- there were points where it was like 10,000. So, look, look, this is a fact based podcast. We talk truth here. How is she being? Where is the evidence that she's moving the needle in any way? And again, this could be causation. I, look, am I saying it's her fault that the numbers are dropping? No, but they're not rising because of her. No one is. No one is. There is nobody in great numbers in any significant numbers whatsoever going out of their way to watch Tessa Blanchard on impact that I know for a fact. So I think people really need to pump the brakes on this. What are they losing if they lose Tessa Blanchard? I mean, they're losing a, a good wrestler. I don't think they're losing someone. Hey, listen. 
Could she become a star at some point? Sure. Have they made her one? I see no evidence Impact has made Tessa Blanchard a star. Will she moonwalk in the NXT and become a star? Will she be in the mix if she goes to WWE? Will she go to AEW and, and, and do good quarter hours? I don't know. Maybe. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Impact has not made this person a star. That's what I'm saying. And I don't know. Am I being unfair? Um, I don't know if you're being fully unfair, but I think, you know, I, I, I think, I think she's a little bit more important to, to impact than maybe you do not, not necessarily because her, uh, of herself is, is that big of a deal. But the fact that just losing another person on that roster, you're losing another big talent on that roster, losing somebody that you have invested a lot in over the last, you know, year or two or whatever would, would, would be a big blow, I think to their bottom line, because I think it's just like, if I'm impact, I don't, you know, you got to retain somebody. You got to, you know, somebody has to be kept. There has to be some sort of long-term story. There has to be some long-term people or whatever. So that kind of hurts is if it's, you know, you just can't keep Sammy Callahan. (laughs) You know what I mean? It just can't always be Sammy Callahan or whatever. And they've, I think done a decent job of building her up for a bigger role and and a more important role in the company. It's just a matter of a, yeah, is it going to be a business mover? And, and, And B now, what do you do? If she is on her way out and, and, and yeah, do you, you know, if I'm impact, do I, you know, empty the cash load for, for her? Do I, you know, empty out and, and blow up our entire company to keep her? Probably not. Like, I don't know that I could, but like, again, it's just another big blow. If you can't maybe at least get in the, in, in the picture or get, you know, her maybe signed or whatnot. But, uh, I think she's a yeah. little bit more important than you're saying, but I just thought, I don't think she's like a dramatic business mover, but I don't know if that's impact attrition or, or her, but I think, to me, honestly, I would try to go for it and, and, and try to build her up and see if you can you can get anything going out of that, to see if you can sure. get something going. Because what do you have to lose, really, if you're Impact at this point? You have nothing so. to lose. Here's what you don't do. You don't put the X Division title on. No, that's the dumbest fucking okay? thing ever, yeah. Here's what you do. She beats Brian Cage and you give it a go. That's what you do. Sure. And that's what I think they're building towards here. Not this stupid thing. Okay, she lost to Sammy Callahan the first time. Remember, we loved the match. Remember? Oh, but it's like, yeah, match ruled. To me, that was them saying, okay, she's going to get it next time. So it's like, to me, what you do is you have Callahan eventually beat Brian Cage and she beats Callahan because that's the story. The story is not Cage. Callahan's the one that goes on TV and puts down the women and says that ah, women don't belong in a ring with me. That's his deal. And he already beat Tessa once. So that's what you do. Right. Oh, you wouldn't want to be Cage either, because Cage is also the guy that's like you know trying to fight for his woman and do all that sort of. So it, it, it's a weird story if Tessa goes in there and you know right. fucking hits a Canadian destroyer and pins him or whatever. It's just not the way that they built up Cage or Tessa really. So I'm I'm not even against pushing Tessa to the top and beating Callahan for the title. I would do that, right? I'm just saying, like I just think people go overboard. With right. Tessa. Well, everyone's gonna think it's like the the thing that's gonna change the game or whatever, and it's like probably it's just not. gonna you know <laughs> be the, the same old thing. But again, I agree that like you you go for it. I mean, they're, they're, you really have literally nothing to lose and maybe something to gain if it happens. So I've endorsed going for it with the fiend. I mean, you have to go for it and you have to try. So I- I'm totally behind that. Anyway, I didn't think this much of this ladder match. Maybe I'm just. I come here and say the same thing about every ladder match. <laughs> you're, you're, you're done. No, this one was particularly just like people go up high and then they fall. And then people go up high and then they fall. Yeah, it I didn't. The match was Romero was the star of the match. Oh, he was taking huge bumps. Insane bumps. Yeah. Daga may as well have not been there. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember anything Daga did. Like, Tessa didn't stand out in this match. It was Ace Romero was the standout of this match. And this is a guy who was probably, you know, working for a contract or just got signed and was motivated because of that and wanted to make an impression, but he did some dangerous shit. 
and he was the standout here. Uh, then we had Moose versus Ken Shamrock. A, a fun build to this match, but uh, yeah, it was, you know, Ken Shamrock's, what, 50, <laughs> whatever he is, and, and Moose isn't particularly the guy that you want really carrying a match. 55 for Ken Shamrock. I mean, he looked like a million bucks. Uh, but yeah, this is, I mean, I enjoyed it because it was kind of had a novelty to it, but I was, I was definitely ready for it to end when it ended. Yeah, I mean, Shamrock looks great. Um, it was overbooked. I mean, that's the biggest problem. Um, yeah, and it was, it was, I mean, in reality, this sucked, but I, I, I don't know. Right. It was, if, if it wasn't like the first time you've seen Ken Shamrock in a wrestling ring in 20 years or whatever, you would just think it's utter shit and who cares. But yeah. like, it was one of those things where I'm like, oh, that's cool. Ken Shamrock's in the ring. And then like six minutes in, I'm like, all right, we can, we can go home now. We're good. Like I've seen what I wanted to see and yay, you're back and okay. But like, yeah, the, the problem is that Ken Shamrock's not good and he wasn't really that good even, you know, in his prime. So now, you know, with without wrestling for years and years and years, and obviously he's 55 and his body's a little broken down. Like he can he can cosmetically look good and he can have all kind of the look in the feel, but once the bell rings, yeah, you're you're kind of lost. And unfortunately, Moose isn't that guy that's really gonna, you know, turn a match around or be the guy that carries it. So it was fine, but yeah, like you said, in retrospect, it it, it, it probably did suck. But you know, I, I tried to find some some positives out of it. Give a little old guy curve. I mean, we talked about this last week. It's like when Ricky Steamboat had those okay matches when he was an old guy. And people were raving like they were the greatest fucking thing. No, they weren't. They were right. nice. He did, a, he did a drop kick that like gets done by 10 guys on the same show. But it was yeah. Ricky Steamboat and he was you know 50 years old and had a good looking drop kick. And you're like, fuck, that's awesome. Like, you give extra credit right. and deservedly. Right. You know, and it's like we're giving Shamrock extra credit for. We'll call it average, even though it was shit. And with Steamboat, Steamboat was perfectly average. But you give the extra credit because he's old and he's Ricky Steamboat. You say it's good. Right. This is how it goes. And then we had uh, the main event, which I really, really liked. I liked this uh, Brian Cage uh, defeating Sammy Callahan. I think you put this on Twitter, and it exactly sums up my thoughts. Is I'm somebody who's seen Sammy Callahan live like a fucking hundred times, like way more than I ever want to see Sammy Callahan live ever again. And it it, it never fails. Every Sam McCallahan match I love is an impact. They're, they're, that company, just for whatever reason, Sam McCallahan in impact, it just works for me. I, he's like one of my favorite wrestlers on impact, and my Probably my least favorite wrestler anywhere else in the world, anywhere else in the universe. I see him so often at AEW, and he always fucking stinks. But, man, when he comes to Impact, for whatever reason, it just clicks with me. He's just perfect for that brand. I like this match. I thought Cage looked good. I thought Callahan looked good. I thought the story of the match was good. And I liked that the finish was just Cage eventually just beats the guy. The guy beat up his wife and piled drove him on their wedding day or whatever. And he went at him right away. They had a no disqualification match. I didn't think it got too plundery. I think maybe there were times where it could it was borderline there. But then at the end, it just was Brian Cage. Just put him down. He put him in thumbtacks or whatever, put him down and pinned him and it was over, which I, I, I like that. It was, it was simple. Again, maybe a little too plundery, a little too many weapons, but I think at the end of the day, it, 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 it did exactly what it needed to do. And I think it was the right result. Yeah. I, this was a lot of fun and it was the only other match on the show that I really liked. So, um, you summed it up. Good, good, definitive ending. Um, you know, cage looked like an absolute geek in the fucking Wolverine thing. Uh, I'm tired of these wrestlers coming out dressed like cartoon characters. I've, <laughs> I, it's like, just put on a fucking badass robe and be tough looking. Right. Well, I, I, th- I find this weird. I, I, I'm unfortunately going to go into Jim Cornette mode here a, a little bit, so don't mind. But, like, you guys are the fucking stars. Like, it's kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like, oh, hey, it's, uh, this guy's dressing up like Spider-Man. Spider-Man's a big star in the movies that you might have seen. Like, no, Brian Cage is a fucking star, man. Be yourself. Be Brian fucking Cage. 
You know? Yeah. Be yeah. Mr. Get Your Shit In. Don't be like, oh, Wolverine's a cool character and I'm being Wolverine. <laughs> like, like I hate that because I'm the biggest nerd in the fucking world. Like, you know, I'm a huge giant nerd. So I should be. But like, Brian Cage isn't a fucking nerd. I don't want Brian Cage to be a nerd. I want Brian Cage to go out there and be Brian fucking Cage. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's a fucking monster. Like, <laughs> just be Get Your Shit In. Monster Brian Cage. Yeah, it, it is kind of weird. Like, oh, he's, he's an homage to Wolverine. Oh, hey. Like, it's, yeah, I, don't be a fucking cartoon character. I'm not interested in it. Put on a badass Dr. Death Steve Williams robe or Kenta Kobashi. Remember that Kenta Kobashi robe with the oh, hood? Yeah, I remember and, the Kenta Kobashi robe. Are you kidding? Yeah. Put on a badass hood with a robe and fucking and, 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 and pace around and fucking stretch out and, and, and fucking be, don't come out. Like you're going to a fucking Halloween party dressed as fucking a cartoon character. I, it's not menacing. It's not tough. Who are you popping other than yourself? Because you like Wolverine. I mean, it, it's such prelim level shit. Like it's so unbecoming of a main eventer. I, I, it really bothers me. Maybe irrationally so, and maybe like you said, maybe we're going full cornet, but. I, I see him come out, and I'm like, what is that? Why? Just, you know, why are you emulating a cartoon character? Fucking, like you're saying, you be the star. Right, right. Don't be, oh, here's the real stars, is those movie people that are Wolverine. Yeah. Like, yeah, be Brian fucking Gay. People should be dressing up as you, not yes. the other way around, yeah. What, kids should want to be you. You know? We've gone full carnet. Yeah, this is <laughs> No, but it's true. Yeah, no, it's true, yeah. He looked like an absolute fucking dope coming out there. <laughs> the problem is too is it's like a third rate Wolverine costume too. It's just like and it was cuz he he found the claws and then he had to find everything else after the claws. Like he got yeah. the claws from like Amazon. It was like, "Oh, cool, I'll be Wolverine." But then decided oh, I need more than just the claws. So then he got like a bunch of like boxes of LED lights or something and put them around his waist. And then he had like some eyeball thing. Like it was, and I know Wolverine like that. People are gonna be like, all right, I, I know Wolverine. All right, guys, I'm, I'm again, I'm a giant nerd, but like, I'm going to tell you, Rich, actually it was weapon <laughs> X. Right. It wasn't Wolverine. Is that like, true? That, I don't know. Is it not? That's even worse. Okay. It's even worse that he was like a derivative of Wolverine. Like you're not helping his case. You know what I mean? Like, he went even deeper into the fucking dork pool with that shit. Like, and he doesn't even look like Weapon X. No, just listen. But you're right, though. How did you know that? Did somebody else tell you that? I don't know. I might even be wrong. For no, I life. think you're right. I think that's what he was going for. But that doesn't even look like Weapon X, though. Here's what I want him to do. Weapon X he's, had a full, uh, full uh, headgear. So He's in a fucking plunder match. You know what he should have came out in? A pair of jeans with fucking knee pads on, over <laughs> he the... He had boots tucked in, yeah. Yep, with the boots tucked in, knee pads oh, over. I didn't the even think of that, Joe. You made me even more upset. He's he's this guy just fucking beat up his wife on their wedding day, pile drove yes. her in the middle of the ring. I'm coming in and whatever the fuck I showed up in the arena in. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. I'm putting my bag down and saying, "Where's that motherfucker, Sam McHale?" And I'm going to kill him. A man who beat up your wife and oh. threatened to beat up your wife, and you're going to take the time to put on a Weapon X costume before you fight him. I'm sorry. You but got me mad. You got me mad now. I'm full cornet now. I'm going. I'm there. Could you imagine that? Someone threatens your wife. Are you going to go put on a fucking uh, Spider-Man outfit before you fight him, or are you just going to go fight the guy? What are we doing? You know, like stop giving these wrestlers so much agency over this stuff too. Like, 
why isn't Scott Demore or whoever's back there putting their foot down going, wait a minute, this is dumb, okay? Do this on impact next week when you're wrestling fucking Rahit Raju. Not the main event of where you're, a man threatened to kill your wife. You're going to come out like a fucking 12-year-old dressed up like Weapon X. Are you kidding? In a horrible costume that would lose any reputable costume. <laughs> it, would, it probably would, yeah. I, I go to C2E2 every single year, and this thing would get fucking destroyed uh, by, by other uh, real cosplayers. So, yeah. <laughs> and then I love, I love Guy on Twitter who always responds to tweets like that. You wouldn't say that to Brian Cage's face. You know what? You're right. Because I'm not a dick. And I don't go up to people's faces and insult them. No one. Yeah, people, people want they want us to go up to guys and say, "Hey, you fucking suck at wrestling." Like I'm not gonna. That do is that. the dumbest point. Nobody walks up to anyone on the street just to ins- I would never walk up to a, an actor in the street and say, "Hey, you're that actor." Yes, I am. Your movie sucked. Who does that? Of course, I wouldn't say it to his face. Why? That is the most vapid. Stupid shit. That's that is the sign of a stupid person. Immediately, someone on Twitter who says you wouldn't say it to so and so's face. You're absolutely right. I would not, because I have fucking class, and I don't go up to people in the street and insult them. Dummy, got me all fired up. Now. <laughs> You're ready to go there. So that was Brian Cage and Sam McKellen, and that was. That's what I want to do, though, Rich. If I was Brian Cage's boss, I would tell him that's a bad idea and he's not going out to the ring in that. Does that count as saying it to his face? Maybe, yeah. I mean, come on. But no, I'm not going to go up to Brian Cage at the next indie show I go to and tell him he looks... <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Brian, 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 quit that Wolverine shit. It looks like <laughs> you look like an idiot. So. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. In the context of business, I would tell him, though. I hope that guy's listening. I think he follows us, too. I hope he's listening. I want you to know that you are very stupid. And I don't want you to listen anymore. And I want you to unfollow it. No, no. I want you to at me again so I can block you. How about that? Stupid guy. Anyway, what's Feels next? Fired up here. Yeah, let's, let's I get am you, fired up. Let's get, I you happy. let's get you happy a little bit. Yeah, I, I like this match. Now you maybe hate this match. No, I, I still do like it. So The um, match was good. That was Impact Bomb for Glory. The access era of Bomb for Glory has off and running. Uh, their next pay-per-view is going to be Hard to Kill, which is a bizarre name. I don't know if I love that idea. Like, I like the tongue-in-cheek, like, hey, like we you, you can't kill us, but it's also, I don't know, it doesn't feel like, I don't know, I, I don't know if I'd rally behind the fact that, like, hey, <laughs> we failed, but we fell up. <laughs> like, By the way, that guy I'm talking about, if you're a subscriber, though, uh, this is all just a bit. Don't worry about it. Absolutely, yeah. Please go. Yeah. If you're a subscriber, this is all just a bit. It's all in good fun. All in good fun. Keep that five dollars coming. <laughs> Do you have any hard to kill thoughts before we move on? No, I think it's too on the nose and and a little too cute. And you shouldn't be proud that you're on the brink of death all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's that's that. All right. Let's get to uh, some other stuff here. We got a uh, little bits left in the show here, and we wanted to touch on a few little topics around the uh, wrestling world. You wanted to get into pro wrestling. No, I can't say the green ring anymore. I always used to tell you the green ring, and you get all fired up about pro wrestling. No, but now it's like the white ring with the <laughs> random logo that isn't really that uh, interesting or, or fun. But uh, what's going on in Presley Noah? Because I have not been following, but you wanted to talk about it this week. Well, they got the Sumo Hall show coming up on the 2nd of November. So this was kind of the last chance to talk about it, right? Um, 
eh, maybe we could have done it next. Oh shit, next week is Halloween. We I know. Yeah, I don't know. We're gonna have to figure that out because yeah, my house is, is not conducive to recording a podcast on that night. So no, it's not. Doorbells ringing all the time, and it's gonna be bad. Dogs barking. Um, so we'll preview it here. We'll just go through it real quick because you know I am caught up on Noah. I watched the whole N one. Rich, the N one victory. Excellent stuff. Good. Okay. Awesome. I'm going to tell you what I liked about the N1. Every match was solid at worst. And because barely any of it made tape, this sounds like a backhanded compliment, but it was really easy to get through. Like there was only like six matches to watch, like six or seven matches to watch. Cause there's only like six guys, like eight guys in the tournament or whatever it was. Right. And they didn't, not everything made tape. And the stuff that made tape was all really good. So it was an easy tournament to get through. Cano was the winner. And he's doing a gimmick in the tournament where he's winning a lot of his matches by knockout with the high kick, right? So go back two years, Rich, if you recall, Kano defeated a young Kaito Kiyomiya by knockout with mm-hmm. a head kick in Cork and Hall on January 6th, 2018, I want to say. Kaito Kiyomiya goes on excursion with the aforementioned Scott Damore as we come full circle. In Canada, comes back, wins the Noah title. Kiyomiya gets his revenge exactly one year later and defeats Kano in Cork and Hall, right? But we're still telling this story. Kano is knocking people out with the high kick in the N1 tournament, wins the tournament, and now the, the obvious story here is can he knock out Kiyomiya again with the high kick like he did two years ago? Are you into that? That's a good story. That's a right? cool story. Yeah, I did see as well that they uh, they did it. I think at the last Corkin, or I, I forget where it was, where uh, a Kano came from the top rope or did the kick or whatever, and and laid out Kiyomi and they had to put Kiyomi on like a stretcher and send him to the back or whatever as as kind of a part of the story, which I found pretty cool as well. That, yeah. that, that's that's a part of the story, right? That, that he wasn't it legit. Is, yeah, they did, the, um, they did a stretcher job with another KO, and um, you know, then they said Kiyomi will miss like the last show or two of the tour, but he but then. Vows to be back for for Sumo Hall. Sure, to defend right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now you have this great story where it's like now there's even more seeds of doubt because now he's coming in off of the injury, on top of the idea that Cano has his number because he's knocked him out twice, and has knocked out all of these other dudes in the N one. So, look, it's a well built. I wasn't really fully on board with the idea of Cano being the challenger in Sumo Hall. Until I watched N1 and saw everything play out. And yeah, it sounds awesome. This sounds really, really cool. Yeah, I'll have to try to at least watch it. I'm going to watch the Sumo Hall show uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I guess, you know, I got a pretty open weekend. I might want to uh, uh, check out some of that N1. So a lot of the stuff is for people that are listening and haven't been catching up on, on Noah. Now, I know they have an active YouTube channel, but are they posting N1 stuff on there? Like, where can you find yeah, that's Noah the stuff? Thing. Is, it, is it all on their YouTube channel then, basically? It's not all on the YouTube channel, but. There are complete N1 shows on the YouTube channel for free, free and legal. I think two of them. Okay. So well, that's, that's, that's helpful then. Yeah. Without even digging around, if you just want to get a feel for it, you can just go to YouTube and watch like, I think four, I think there's four N1 matches total on YouTube. I don't remember which ones, but some of the highlights, um, Kano versus Masaki Mochizuki. He beat him by KO. Um, no, he didn't. I'm sorry. Um, Actually, I can't remember what. No, Mochizuki won that match. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, that one on uh, August 26th, I think. That was a really good match. Um, another one from the N1 
was uh, Kano versus Nakajima. He beat him by KO. That was on September 9th. And uh, Sagara versus uh, Marafuji was really good on September 7th. Those are some of the ones that um, that made my notebook. But everything was solid. Um, it, it's funny because Hammerstone, he only made tape once. And MLW aired his match against Goshi Ozaki on MLW TV, if you want to. Yeah, you know, I did get, see that. I did see that one, yeah. Yeah, it was okay, like a little three-star match. Yeah, I wish I wish they had picked a better one, but I get why they, I, I obviously get why that match happened and they put that and one. And Hammerstone won because that was his first match out of the gate, so they wanted to give him a win coming out of the gate. You know what I mean? Um, El Hio the Dr. Wagner Jr., he did not make tape a single time oh. for an N1 match, which shows you how it was so easy to get through because they, they just didn't a lot of it didn't make tape. But anyway, Cano, I'm, I'm way more into his story now. But the, the thing is, like, I still don't think, despite the great build, that that's like a sumo hall-level main event. But, Rich, they have loaded this show with outside names to help. Um, the semi-main event is they're rolling out a national title. And it's going to be Takashi Segura versus Mike Elgin to, uh, to crown the first-ever national uh, GHC national champion. What do you think of having a secondary heavyweight title in Noah? Yeah, I, I think, and I, I don't know. If, I, I think we talked about this maybe a few weeks ago or whatnot. I don't love it just because it's it's Noah at this point, and and I just don't know that they necessarily have the roster or the the, the need to have a secondary title. And then we also talked about it too. Is like it just if if Kiyomiya wins it over Kano and and he remains champion it just kind of looks what does that look like if you like you, you feel like you kind of have to have a secondary title and like Segura might win that secondary title and like everybody knows Segura is like a bigger deal you know it's a, the optics of it of being like on an equal level as the heavyweight championship i think kind of hurt it a little bit cuz I, I like the structure of how Noah does their titles there's a heavyweight title and then there's the tag and then there's juniors and then it's like and that's it like to, that it, it's nice and simplified and you know who the man is you know who the guy is in pressing Noah whereas other companies that try to do too many titles it gets a little muddied and I do have a fear that that's going to kind of happen with Noah a little bit. And that might be by design. They might want to be able to say, hey, look, we have the national championship, and that's main eventing the show. Uh, and, and while Kiyomi is just in like a tag match or a secondary match or whatever. But again, I don't know if Noah needs to be doing that right now uh, at this point. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be, it's going to create matches that have more stakes or whatnot. So as somebody, you know, who, who keeps, you know, one eye on Noah uh, and would love to watch more with a little bit more time, I mean, I guess I can't hate on it that much. Like, business-wise, I don't love it, but, like, you know, entertainment-wise, it's going to be fine. I mean, it's just going to get more important matches, and I can't complain about that. Look, everyone's screaming about Noah to have a streaming service, and I get it, but I also think Noah's very smart in that they're putting a lot of stuff on YouTube. You can follow Noah without paying a dollar and without looking around for fucking, you know, uh, downloads and shit, you know? So, um, and, and, and look, nobody wants to hear this, but they're clearly following a new Japan model. They, the N one, I mean, come on, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and, and then like, did you see the new GHC title? Yeah. Oh, it's a, it looks exactly like the IWGP. It looks like the IWGP title. And then now they're adding the secondary title, the national. T- I'm surprised they didn't just call it the intercontinental. Right. Or the, but, and they're following the market leader. And look, I watched all these Noah shows and it's good. I mean, it is good. And I, you know, I've had a lot of criticisms for Kiyomiya that I'm not going to repeat now. It's not the right show for that. But I do think it's good that they're just going full steam ahead and trying. It's the same thing we just kind of talked about with Tessa and The Fiend. Go for it. Try to make that star. 
no, it's like maybe it won't work, but now they're so pot committed on him, Rich, that I think he has to keep winning. You know, before I was kind of like, oh, maybe let's get it off of him and save him. But he's but at this point, I think it's like they're pot committed. It's like they've already seen the flop. You've got a million chips on the table. Just fuck, you got to keep them. You know, there's no way you should lose to Cano at this point. No, no, no. At this point, they would be a miserable failure. You, you'd be doing more. You'd be doing damage forever if he just like gets knocked out by Cano and loses. It's just like now you're in sumo hall. Like give him the big. Let him give the speech at the end of the show and be in the middle of the ring at the end of the sumo hall show. Right. If by the time you come back next year it didn't work, whatever. But at least try it. You, you may as well. Being you're into now. And and look, he hasn't been a failure. We talk about it all the time. He's basically just held the fort. And there are, there are signs that it is you know moving forward a bit. But yeah, they're going to add this second title. I want to see how the second title plays out first. I don't really have an opinion right now. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, Elgin's a good pickup, and that's through the association with Impact. And Elgin was, you know, he had to pull himself off the Big Japan Sumo Hall show because with the Noah relationship with Impact, they've got that right of first refusal for Japan. So they wanted Elgin and they got him. Um, third from the top is Marafuji versus the Great Muda. So this is what I'm talking about. It's Sumo Hall. They got to try some shit. I don't have a problem with this. No, that sounds like a great match, man. This this sounds awesome, and it's it, it's fun. Like, yeah, you're saying you're you're trying to get people in the building, and and yeah, that's sort of a showcase match. That's one you can put on the marquee, you can put on posters or whatnot, and it grabs right because it's the fucking great Muda. You know what I mean? Like, so I have no issues with that. You got your top two matches that tell decent stories. They're both for big titles. Whatever you do after that, you know, as long as all your title matches are are, are pretty secure and 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 feature the guys you want to feature, then yeah, do these oddity match. I, I love, this is something I love about, you know, big Japan, you know, big Japanese sumo hall or whatever shows is that you get a few of these matches here where they, they want to do these little showcase matches, these little fun matches. So yeah, I have no problem with Marafuji and Muda. It's probably not going to be good, but that's fine. Who cares? It's Muda. He'll spray some mist. Marafuji will throw some chops. I'll be fine. I'm not going to care. It's not the point. Doesn't need to be good. Um, you know, so and then fourth from the top tag team titles. Rich, a lot of people will tell you that Nakajima and Goshiozaki are the tag team of the year. I definitely think they're in contention after seeing all of their title matches now this year. They defend against Masa Kitamiya and Inamura. This is a weird I, I I'll be honest, I'm not completely familiar with the build of this particular match because it occurred on the current tour that I'm still a little behind on. Uh the last thing they were doing with Inamura is he was getting squashed by um, Ironhead Fujita, um, but Fujita has now moved on to a feud with um, Shuhei Tanaguchi, which we'll talk about in a minute. So now Inamura is in the tag team title mix with, with Kitamiya. Again, I am not familiar with the build, but it feels to me on paper like a weak title match for Nakajima and Shizaki. Um, And I know that you know you haven't watched, so you probably don't have anything to add, right? Uh, nothing on there, yeah. that's. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely check out that uh... Uh, a little bit of what I can see. Uh, by the way, YouTube.com slash uh, GHC Noah is what their uh, channel is. Because if you just look up Pro Wrestling Noah, you're going to get like King's Ark and all these other people that have been uploading fantastic <laughs> Noah matches for the last 15 years on YouTube. So it's actually very difficult to find their actual one. Uh, but it's GHC Noah if you want to find it. Or if you just go to Pro Wrestling Noah's official website. Are you looking at it now? Show. What are the dates of the N1 so show? So I'm trying to see. Unfortunately, like I have like terrible Google Translate here. Um, so, oh, man. It is... So, I'll keep talking. You see if you can figure yeah, it I'll out. Yeah, I'll see if I can get it for you. But um, So it looks like 11... No, that's not it. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep looking. It's hard to tell. I, I'm getting like... I'm trying to get my Google to stop translating stuff so I can actually look. Uh, yeah, uh, all right, so Saturday, September 7th is one of them. 
Okay, so the Takashi Sagara Marafuji match I talked yes, about. Yes, yeah, that's 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 on that one, and then it looks like Kano versus Mochizuki uh, August twenty sixth is up there as well. That match is awesome. Yeah, Arguably the fucking best great. Match. Yeah, yeah. So awesome matches that you don't have to work hard to see. You know, they're all there. And of course, if you look on YouTube and Daily Motion, the rest of the fucking shit's probably <laughs> it's not very hard to find either. Yeah. But I mean, if you want free, legal, and easy, you know, you can go to their YouTube page. Um, junior title match. Hayata defends against Yohei, and it's like these guys, it's like Yohei turns heel, then they get back together for the tag tournament. Now they're facing each other again. I am so burnt out on these two Rattels guys facing each other, teaming together. I'm lost. I don't understand the story anymore. I do they like each other? Do they not like each other? Um I and and quite honestly, I mean, they're okay, but they're not very good either. They're in, in a promotion that's a little deeper, they're they're lower level juniors. Okay, uh, they've got a little bit of charisma, but they're not great workers. They're a little sloppy sometimes. I mean, this match is fine, but it's not going to knock anybody's socks off. And I'm just so tired of these two um, facing each other, teaming together, facing each other. I mean, let's just pick a path and uh, stick with it for once. Yeah, with these. And, and we're not huge fans of them in the first place, so it's like, I'm, I'm sure there's certain people that probably cannot wait for this match, but yeah, it's 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 not us, unfortunately. I'd so. bigger fans of them if they were just slotted where they belonged. I just, I don't like them at the top of the division, mm-hmm. and I never have. Um, now, a lot of the Noah, Noah Jr. stuff has been centered around the old dudes, and the old dudes have been killing it. So the tag team title match is uh, Yoshinari Ogawa and Katero Suzuki defending against Daisuke Harada and Tadasuke. Now, Harada is the only fucking Rattel's guy I can tolerate. Uh, you know, Tadasuke should never be involved in anything important. He's another guy who I think is fine, but he should be a lower-level guy. I mean, he's just not... I don't know. But um, Ogawa and Suzuki, they have been great as a tag team. I mean, they're not out there having four-and-a-half-star matches. But if you're familiar with these guys, like most of you probably are, you kind of get where I'm coming from. Like, they're perfectly sleazy in the right ways and they go out there and give you a solid veteran performance and I've really been into these guys and the run they've been having the last few months and I think they'll retain here I don't think they're putting a title on um, Tadasuke at this point <laughs> probably not no this the last uh, man the last five matches of this I hope I, I wish this was the last uh uh Thing we're, a topic we're going to talk about because I definitely need a shower after you're about to list the names you're about yeah, to list because man does this show get real fucking grimy and, and I'm here for it I am fucking you, here for it too you can understand though as we go through them why they're doing what they're doing oh for it's, sure yeah so we've got we talked about it Taniguchi versus Ironhead and they brought Fujita back on the last big show they had he beat Inamura. Um he's moved into this feud with Taniguchi on the on the most recent tour so Look, you know, Fujita, they feel like he's a draw. You know, I get it. And they're going to put him on this Sumo Hall show. They think he can help sell some tickets. Um, it's going to be ugly. You know, I, there's a chance that that could be really bad. Taniguchi can always go either way. Fujita's a million years old. Um, but, you know, I get why they're doing the match, and I'm not opposed to it. And then we got a six-man, uh, Eddie Edwards, uh, Katoge, and Chris Ridgway, who's been working a lot of Noah tours and, and doing a nice job. Against Masaki Mochizuki, who just keeps working so many non-Dragon Gate dates. I think it's great. Um, and he's teaming with, um, you know, Minoru Tanaka, another one of the Noah old juniors who's been great over, over the summer. And super crazy. 
and they're bringing in super crazy for this show. So that's a what, fun what a match. What a what a like the names awesome. <laughs> like Eddie Edwards, Katoge, Ridgeway, Mochizuki, Minoru Tanaka, and Super Crazy. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I love that. Look, it's only getting seven minutes. Right, it's fine. That's all it needs. But I mean, you know, that's an entertaining little match, and um, you know, I've got no problem with it. And Minoru Tanaka is another guy who's been Minoru Tanaka, Ogawa, and Katero Suzuki. They have been my guys with the Noah Juniors uh, this summer. I they, this spring and summer, they've been outstanding. Um, second match on the show is a wild. Um, <laughs> this you need, this, you need a shower man. from this one. All right, yeah, this is wow. Is a twelve man tag, so they're basically just shoehorning everyone on the show. We got Muhammad Yone and Quiet Storm, so we got the f- uh, Funky Fifty Powers there. Our boy High Sixty Nine, Hitoshi Kumano. Uh, Junta Miyawaki, you know, a couple of uh, younger Noah guys. And Sonico, I'll tell you about him in a minute. And they're facing Kazushi Sakuraba. Yeah. <laughs> Kazuma Sakamoto. Yeah. Uh, El Hio Dr. Wagner Jr., who, of course, you know, worked the N1. Uh, Hajimi Ohara, who has really been lost in the shuffle you know, with the juniors. Uh, Nosawa, out of the question. Hell Nosawa, yeah. <laughs> who is uh, said to be booking... Noah these days and doing a nice job. I, you know, I give credit where it's due. And, uh, and Kenya Okada, who's one of their younger dudes. There's going to be a lot of Okadas running around. Uh, yeah. We got to get There's like seven dudes with that last name right now. We got we to figure that out. Cause it's, it's, it's probably like if I was a guy who had the other name, I'd probably just find a way to change the name or something like that. Cause it's like, you know what I mean? You're always going to kind of be compared to, you know, it's, it's a guy coming yeah. up in 1995, and his name is Yo Kobashi. It's like you might want to just, you know, Kenta. I, well, Kenta didn't go by, you know, Kenta went by Kenta. All exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he wasn't gonna fucking deal with being the other Kobashi. He was gonna be fucking Kenta. So yeah. I mean, Kenta Kobayashi. He's like, fuck that. I'm not gonna be compared to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, look, it's twelve man tag with a lot of, uh, you know, guys on the roster who don't have programs. But then you've got Sakuraba, who's obviously there and has been working here recently. Again, they feel like it's Sumo Hall. they got to put names on here, you know? Um, Sonico is a guy who's been working the last two or three NOAA tours. He's from the Pacific Northwest. And, um, you know, I asked around, Rich, I know a lot of people, okay, as you know. Got a lot of contacts. So I asked about this Sonico. And it was funny because the person told me, um, I hear someone in his family knows super crazy, right? And then you turn around and super crazy is all of a sudden getting booked in Noah. So we know how Sonico got his spot. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. That's how we know Sonico got his spot, but he's a, he's a Pacific Northwest indie guy who works a mask gimmick. He's not like a luchador from Mexico. Like I've seen a lot of people think so. Um, you know, I watched one or two of his matches. It's, he's nothing, you know, to write home about, but um, you know, it's good to have friends. And then the opener, billed as Noah the Classic. And I like this. Okay, you bring back some names from the past, from the old green ring. We got Akatoshi Saito, Masayo Inoue, one of my least favorite wrestlers of all time, against uh, Tamon Honda and Mitsuo Momota. So, Rich, we're taking it back to another era with that one. And again, it's Sumo Hall. Yeah, it's and fine. It's going to get six minutes and it'll be fine. <laughs> like their their fucking signature shit and you know, it's it's and and they're not leaving the green ring completely behind. I got no problem with it, you know. Am I sitting through that shit if it's the third match on a Cork and Hall show? No fucking chance. Okay? 
put it on this show, I got no problem. I'll sit back on my couch and I'll enjoy the nostalgia for what it is. What do you think, Ray? Is that an intriguing looking show for someone? Okay, I've been keeping up, okay, and I'm into it. But for someone who hasn't been keeping up, are you intrigued by that? And are you like, eh, I'm going to give that a look? Yeah, I really am. I mean, the first two, the top two matches for sure, uh, Kiyomi and Kano and, and, and Segura and Michael Elgin, all in on. Uh, Mirafuji Great Muda, that's a match that I'm going to like when the entrances are happening and I'll like when it's over, but probably not really love the bulk of it if they keep it short, depending on that. But still, like, that's fine. I'm not going to get upset about that. Uh, and then the tag match, like I said, I, I haven't unfortunately been keeping up, but that sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. And then everything else kind of, other than the junior title match, which I don't really care that much about, everything else has a nice little kind of old school sleaze nod to the past of Noah feel to it. And, and yeah, it'll all be short and it'll all be kind of fun. And I, I like those. Like, I love those big time sort of, uh, Noah shows or Big Japan or all, anytime there's a big time sumo hall show and you kind of fill your undercard with these sort of matches that are just kind of like a bunch of names but some names from the past and I, like I enjoy those as long as they don't overstay their welcome so so no I'm I'm into it it's it really propped up by those top two matches though with both have the chance to be spectacular so uh, no I, I, I'm, I'm excited about the show for sure sumo hall what's the smallest non embarrassing number they could do Oof. Man. Like if you see the number the next on, on the third when you wake up, and we see the tweet from Striga, <laughs> right, right, yeah, he would have it too, yeah. Okay, what will be a bad number to you? What's the break point? What's the line? I'm trying to think. So what? Off the top of your head, do you know what people have been doing recently? Like, not like you know the big time stuff, but like what did all Japan do earlier this year? All running it now. Japan's running it around the same time. All Japan's running it around. They, yeah. We don't know. They're all running it. Hmm. I mean, they're probably not going to get. They're not going to get. I mean, they're not going to get 10,000. We know that for sure. Oh, God. Yeah, no. there's no chance at hell. There's not 10,000 Noah fans anymore. Um, um, what number will you see where you're going to be like, that's an embarrassment? That's anything under five, I think I would. Ooh, you, you see, they got to do five. Okay. That's tough, though, right? I mean, that's kind of be tough. That's for a good them. number. Five would be, let me tell you something. They do five. And I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think they that everyone will be through. I'm going to say, I'm going to say anything that starts with a two. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a failure. I think anything that starts with a three, anywhere between three and four, if it starts with a three, it, it, it's okay. But I'm not fucking doing jumping jacks. I think anything with a four or higher is a very good number for them. I think a five, I that that's when you're like, whoa, they're on the sum. Okay, all right. So maybe, maybe I haven't been accurately looking at... Uh... <laughs> I think That's you're being fair. You sumo, want to see yeah. five thousand? That's I, I, that. Look, you're in sumo hall. This is big boy territory. So shouldn't they do a big boy number? I mean, absolutely. I don't yeah, a couple years ago. So I'm looking at a couple years ago. All Japan uh, for their 45th anniversary was in uh, August of 2017. They did six uh, six thousand five hundred fifty. I mean that that would be a remarkably big number. That, uh, wait, remember, that, yeah. that's the one that Akiyama creatively papered. It, oh yeah, that's right. So. Remember that whole thing? I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Now, the tickets were technically sold, but they were sold to sponsors. Oh, and that's were- right. That is that one. Well, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, how many people were in the building? We don't know, but do they did sell them any tickets, which we praised, by the way. That was right, right, right. Well, so I okay, so that strategy. So last but, year around this, so t- September 2018, September last year, they got for the uh, Naomi Chimura Fuji 20th anniversary show. 
which we talked yeah. about, one of our uh, show that we really, really loved, one of your favorite shows ever, because it had fucking yeah. Mirafuji and Atami in the main event there. Uh, 6,285. I mean, they're they're not topping that. No, no, no. no I shot. don't think so. There's no shot in hell. I don't think that. you'd say five. I mean, it's a hard number to get, but I don't think it's impossible. You're right that two is like, all right, we're fucking... Two is we a suck. fucking... <laughs> yeah, we fucking suck. Yeah, if you can't do more than twenty nine ninety nine, you don't belong in the building. Yeah. I think th- between three and four is like, eh, I'm not impressed. I think once you get to like 4,000, I'm starting to be impressed. Right, right. Okay, that's fair. I think 5,000 is like maybe their goal. Yeah, and six plus is just we're not even gonna. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll be they'll be doing literal jumping jacks. No, yeah, will go in the middle of the ring and do jumping jacks for twenty minutes. Are you, me? you know, so I don't know, but um, I'm into it, and I guess we'll talk about all Japan and Big Japan shows at some point too. Um, at minimum, even if we don't preview them, we'll probably review them to some extent. Um, that's the unfortunate part is I'm excited about watching it. And then I realize uh, I'm not going to see it for a while. Yeah, it airs like a week later or something. Because it doesn't so. even like pop up anywhere on uh, legal, no, <laughs> legally, right? Like it, no, it's, no. it's I fucking mean, the, nowhere. Like nobody sees it, right? Yeah, the Pearl Dream guys will do a nice job and get it up. But it's like it they can't make it air. Yeah, right, 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 right. You know, it's it's so it's like. That's the problem with that. Whereas the All Japan and Big Japan, that shit's going to air on their yeah, service. It'll air live, and then, yeah, it'll be up you know, when you need to see it by the next day or whatever. So, yeah, that kind of stinks. That. Yeah, you watch that shit live if you want to pony up the money, or you could see it, like, the next day. So it does kind of suck. So that is Noah. It was nice to get to a little jump into Noah. And got me, got me excited for the show now. So hopefully, uh, fired up, huh? yeah, it's good. I, I like, you know, I was like, Noah. I, I, I wish I had more time again, if I could quit my job, I'd watch Noah all the time. I'd watch Noah every single week if I could. So, uh, yeah, patreon.com slash voices wrestling. If every one of you subscribe, I can, I watch Noah every single week. So like, I want to, I want to watch more kind of random Perot, but it's like, who fucking has time for that shit? When, all right, uh, let's get into this here. We'll, we'll finish the show off here with the Triple uh, A Heroes Immortalities show, the Antonio Pena Memorial Show that happened last week. Uh, we did not, we have, we neither of us have seen the entire show. Uh, we're just going to talk about what we did see at least. I mean, there was a shit ton of wrestling to watch this week with AEW, and 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 you know maybe doing some stuff that weren't <laughs> that wasn't wrestling for a little bit. Uh, but I was able to see the last four matches, so. Uh, varying degrees of, of enjoyment for those as well. And I've heard some pretty good things about the show uh, overall. But, uh, yeah, the, the stuff that I saw, I saw the Lumberjack match, which was uh, Dinastia, Octagon Jr., Puma King, uh, defeating Arez, uh, Abismo Negro Jr., and Superfly. Uh, Abismo, I believe is how to pronounce it. Uh, this, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it was a Lumberjack match, but they, uh, they all had, like, straps or I, I don't know what it was exactly, but... Yeah, it was kind of annoying because it was one of these things where every time any guys got out of the ring, which unfortunately you're, I just listed the names and you're probably thinking, oh, that's pretty cool. Those guys got outside of the ring, but anytime they got outside of the ring, they just got slapped by all the lumberjacks with like rubber bands or I don't know what the hell they were. There were some straps or something like that. So unfortunately, that took away a lot of the enjoyment of the actual match itself because you had a lot of good wrestlers, but I've been holding in that sneeze for like an hour, man. God, I was waiting for it to happen. But uh, you have a lot of really fun wrestlers. But yeah, the Lumberjack stipulation kind of hurt it uh, a, a bit. And and as Ricardo, who did our review, Ricardo Gallegos, who, uh, if you listen to the Patreon side, uh, did the uh, Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame Mexico uh, episode with us and got rave reviews, by the way, uh, for his, his appearance there. Uh, he did our review on the website. If you want to check it out, VoicesOfWrestling.com. Uh, and just mentioned that it was like a stipulation that was popularized. 
uh, by Antonio Pena. So it was on the card, and and yeah, as he said, like I 100 percent agree with him. He said, you know, if you if you took the lumberjack stipulation out of this match, it would have been pretty good. But unfortunately, yeah, every time they went outside the ring, they just got surrounded by people hitting them with shit. So not that fun. So <laughs> that was that one. Uh, then you had the Copa Antonio Pena, which was uh, you you know that from Triple Triple Mania, Joe <laughs> is the uh, their version of the Royal Rumble, which includes very poorly mixed music, a very loud explosion, and a lot of random people that came out, including your boy Dave the Clown was out there. Uh, yeah, Aerostar, you- yeah, Dave the Clown, nah, he did okay, he did fine, he, he didn't win, but uh, no, he was there. I mean, Dave Dave the Clown, you know. He was there, and I, I just love, so, you know, he comes out, and, and I'm listening to the Spanish feed or whatever, and you just hear, like, you, you know, whatever, 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 Dave the Clown. I'm like, yes. Yes. <laughs> Dave the fucking Clown. Let's go, baby. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was was fine. The, the the real thing that you want to watch, if, if you haven't seen this match, and remains my favorite wrestler to watch this year, like, I, I can't keep my eyes off this guy. Vikingo is fucking great. He is so good. And in this match, it's a Royal Rumble, and this dude's just bouncing all over the ring, doing f- shit. Like, so it basically it ends. So it's a Royal Rumble match until the last two guys go, and then it's kind of a pinfall match. The last two guys are exactly who it needed to be. It was Black Taurus and, and Vikingo, and they just had a fucking great match. Like, like after all this bullshit of the Geek yeah. Battle Royal or whatever, these two guys go out here and just have a hell of a match. And they just do shit that you've never seen before, no regard for their bodies. Vikingo just bounces around like nobody you've ever seen before. I just I, I love Taurus. I love Vikingo. And and once you get through this battle royal, I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna watch this and you the battle royal is gonna drag on you. But it is worth it at the end because at the end you get a spectacular match between Vikingo and and, and, and Taurus. So definitely yeah. do not skip this. Yeah, I'll check that out for sure. Uh any th- would you would you hate me if I went best flying wrestler Vikingo this year? No. How right. can I he that? should win, right? Because he's fucking spectacular. He's not going to win, but he should. I, he could win. He I could. mean, I don't know if there's enough people, but yeah, we, we, I, we, I don't know. I think he might be exposed enough outside of Mexico. Well, you're probably right. He probably can't. Win. He probably won't. Win. He when next year after he's done some AEW shots, he will win for sure. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you're right. I think, uh, yeah, you're right. Next year, the year after, if he gets, or if AEW, yeah, AEW picks him up. Did you say AAW? No, A-A-W? I'm God, fuck, I'd blow my mind if he was at AAW, but no, AEW, I believe is where. Oh, you don't think Dr. Keith's picking up? I think he's fucking better. I think he's tried. I, I think sure he's he at has. least hopefully has tried, but yeah, because he knows he knows talents and. Yeah, I mean, come on, he's on. He's got his finger on the pulse. I mean, that's AAW. That's not one of these, you know, dopey indies there. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Don't get us in trouble yet. Is that it's not WrestleMania weekend yet? We'll we'll get to that one. You know. I almost named a couple of people. Like, <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. And I'm like, it's not the wrestlers' fault. Like, good for them for getting booked. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, but yeah, you get the idea. Yeah, um, he fucking rocks. But, then we have uh, the mega championship. Oh, sorry. Did you have anything else on on that? No, no, no. I'm just stuttering until you change the subject. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, just don't 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 name anybody. Uh, AW Mega Championship here, uh, Ray Phoenix defending his title against Kenny Omega and Kenny Omega gets the win. I know you saw this one, you reviewed it on the Patreon side. So I'll let you start off here. Omega Phoenix, what'd you think? Yeah, I reviewed a bunch of matches, um uh, a written review of that and TJ Perkins versus uh Damian Slater that I talked about earlier and a couple of other matches on the Patreon. Written reviews are on the $1 tier. So if you want to read those reviews. I mean, it, it only costs you a dollar. I mean, geez. So, uh, you know, um, but I have a detailed review of uh, that match and, and three others behind the paywall. But yeah, I'll just quickly say I loved it. And I really didn't like 
the six-man tag with the Bucks and Omega versus the Lucha Brothers and who was their partner at Triple Mania? It's, um, it's Plum blanking on it. Um, oh yeah, who was that? Sorry, sorry. I'll, I'll get it for you in a sec because someone's screaming that? right What's now. That? I know, I know. Who, uh, oh my god, it's on the tip of my tongue too. <laughs> I'm gonna see it. It's anyway. So well, obvious. It was Laredo Kid. Laredo Kid. That was it. Yeah, I I didn't like that match. I thought it was slow and awkward and a little too choreographed for my tastes. I think you didn't like it. I don't remember. What no, you yeah, we out. buried it six feet. Yeah, people oh, yeah, got mad at us for burying it as much as we did. So and this match was starting off the same way and I was disappointed, but then it turned into something totally different. I mean, these guys went out there. This was violent and nasty and aggressive and hard hitting. And there was accidental blood and there was blood flying all over the place. And they told a great story down the, down the stretch, the closing stretch, the the finishing sequence was, I just, you know, Kenny Omega standing on the top rope, not sitting. And then Phoenix attempting to do like a springboard Rana, which normally the opponent is sitting. When you do that, Kenny is standing. I don't under, I, Maybe people aren't understanding the gravity. <laughs> right. The, Kenny Omega and, is what? Six foot one, six foot two, standing yeah. on the top of the rope. Yeah. So he's standing, let alone the balance issues when Phoenix is springboarding off of the rope, right? Right. Like you would, I would fall down in 10 seconds. I could get myself on the top rope, but then the second anybody moved anything <laughs> in the ring, I would fall off for sure. But no. Yeah. It, it, it's spectacular. I can't stress enough how crazy this spot was. So, Phoenix goes for the springboard Rana and Kenny catches him in midair and turns it into a powerbomb. And then from there, Phoenix was kind of cooked and Kenny used um, like his sit out pile driver for a near fall. I forget mm. what he called it. probably some dopey video game name for it. And then he hit the one winged angel. And, and I think Phoenix did a one count kick out on the pile. Did he do a one count? I forgot if he did a one count. I think it was. So th- the powerbomb was a, 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 a real like, 2.9999 kick out. That got a yes. huge pop from the crowd. And I forget if it was a one after that, after the, the, the pile driver. I, I don't recall. At any rate, it was the last of Phoenix's life force at that point. And right. then he hit one winged angel. Phoenix might have hit a move or two in between, but um, then he put him away with the one winged angel. And the closing stretch was phenomenal. They told it wasn't just a my turn, your turn thing. It, they, they ended up telling a, a nice pro wrestling story in the midst of all of their wild craziness. And Kenny showed that, you know, coming off his incredible historical year last year, that he still has it in him to have a match of the year caliber match. Cause this was really great. Yeah. I loved it. A lot of the same things that you liked about it. I, I did as well. And, and yeah, they, it wasn't overly long too. I think it was just about 20 minutes or so, a little over 20 minutes, which I loved that they didn't get too wild with it. They didn't get too long. And, and yeah, it was hard hitting at the beginning instead of just kind of being a slow sort of methodical, you know, work a limb match. It was just kind of hard hitting at the beginning. And then they just kind of got to it where it was just like these guys showing, you know, what they do best and, and Phoenix going for his, his big spots and Kenny going for his big spots. But, but it never at one point felt like overly like they were just doing shit. You know what I mean? Like it all felt like it made sense. It all fit like in the context too. And what was really cool too is the crowd was hot for it, man. The crowd really, really was rooting for Omega. When Phoenix would kick out, they'd go nuts. When Kenny would kick out, they would go nuts. So they were just invested in both guys and they were just invested in coming and seeing a good match, which is, 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 is pretty cool to see. And, and when Kenny did get the victory, I was a nice little pop as well with the, you know, the Mexican crowd being pretty happy about it or, you know, not everybody. I mean, there was obviously a vocal crowd that was, you know, not super happy about it. But, yeah, I think a, a good move for, for AAA. And uh, as far as I can tell, and I think Dave alluded to it, uh, Dave Meltzer alluded to it on the Observer Radio this week, is is that that belt's going to get defended in AEW, whether it's not television, but possibly the dark or, or, or possibly on, on YouTube or whatever. But, like, that that title, it's in a good place. I mean, they're going to get some publicity from this. So, um 
good move by that. And and, and yeah, I, I was all for it. Kenny Omega winning and, and yeah, a match. Definitely go out of your way to check this out. I went about four and a half with it, and, and I think uh, absolutely worth your time if you get a chance. We talked about this when the Bucks won the tag team titles. It's like this can't be bad for AAA no, come to get their world title exposure in AEW to American audiences. So, um, you know, eventually Phoenix will win it back or someone else will beat Kenny. But, um, yeah, this is – and this is a move that – I mean, it, it's not like unprecedented or anything like that. It's, this is – this will – this it's, it's, it's a good idea from AAA's standpoint. But yeah, really great match. Um, yeah, and, and I did want to say as well, you know, one thing that I noticed, and I, I've seen a lot of, you know, Phoenix singles matches with AEW, the aforementioned AEW, and it makes me so upset that, like, he's only known kind of to, to big audiences as, like, a tag wrestler with Pentagon because he's incredible as a, as a singles. And, and that's one of my things that I, I, I get kind of annoyed that he's just slotted in AEW right now as just, you know, with Pentagon Jr. And there's nothing against Pentagon. Pentagon's incredible as well. I think both guys actually offer a lot individually and I hope that at some point we get to that where they can break up not not necessarily like a blood feud breakup but like a feud where whatever they go off into their different paths and they work singles matches because both guys are tremendous singles wrestlers too and it would it'd be a nice kind of change of pace because I think a lot of people have only seen them as a tag team and then you see a match like this and you realize how great Phoenix is you know by himself on his own or whatever so hopefully we would get some more people you know opportunities to do that down the line uh, especially in AEW would be nice I think Phoenix is the guy that when people talk about who's the best wrestler in the world, he's the name that always gets left off that shouldn't. It's he, He's in the conversation. He really is that good. And he's the kind of guy where you watch his matches and then you remember, oh, yeah, this guy is might be the best wrestler. Oh, he's in the incredible. World. Yeah, he's unbelievable. The stuff he does, and, and I've always said it too, if, you, if you've never seen him live, He's mind blowing live. You will, you just, you can't fathom what he's able to do live and how quickly he's able to do it and how smooth he's able to do it. And then you also keep in mind that he's wrestled like six times that week as well, <laughs> including like he's working in two days. He's working at some fucking soccer, like indoor soccer training center near my house against Gringo Loco. And I'm like, you're Phoenix, dude. You don't have to do those anymore. But he's, he's fucking, that's Phoenix. Like he's going to work that. And I guarantee you if I go, he's going to do all, like he's going to go and, and be balls out. There'll be 25 people there. Nobody's gonna, you know, and, and he's gonna go and be balls out. He's gonna be incredible because that's just sure. what he does. Naturally, <laughs> the loco. Yeah, it'll be great. Like I kind of want to go. It's on a Sunday night. I'm hoping I can I can find my way over there. So that guy basing for him too. Like absolutely, it, yeah. It's gonna be great. Yeah, it's me and he'll have a great match with that guy. Yeah, he's and 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 let me tell you, I talked about this behind the paywall today. Thursday TV reviews, five dollar tier, patreoncom slash wrestling. You'll hear me go on a forty minute rant about Jim Ross. You'll hear me review AEW and NXT. Pentagon and Phoenix the last two weeks have been on fire. They've been great. Yeah, they've really turned it around for me because I, you know, we we came on the show talking about how eh, I'm kind of sick of these guys doing this fucking private party match. Oh my god, that was so good. I loved that opener. Yeah, and Phoenix just does things physically that aren't even like I think Rob Viper does a good job putting up the, the gifs. He does like little things that no one else on earth can do, and you don't really notice them unless you're paying close attention. Just with body control. And the way he sets up his springboard moves, he he really isn't. There's your best flyer of the year. I mean, that's the guy that's gonna. It's tough, yeah. That you're right. He's probably he's probably the better pick, honestly. EW exposure, and and I mean, it'll be him or fucking you know Willow Spray. It'll be Will again or something like that. Yeah, it's not gonna be 
Viking O this year. You're right. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. No, I'll be alone on there. But uh, yeah, so I'll even say that uh, Phoenix and Pentagon popped my mom, who was like, man, those guys in that opening match, like she, she fucking loved that match. She, she, I called her today and she was like, those guys in that opening match, like they're so athletic and gymnastic or whatever. And I was like, yeah. Wait like, till like, King O gets there and the Chinese get there. I know. She's going to lower mind. Yeah. And just don't, they should have like Phoenix should wrestle those guys. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I know. They can open up dynamite with that. Like you know the Chinese guy. I always forget the one Chinese. I'm bad with the names, but the one Chinese guy who's like the super uh, acrobatic one, like you know above even the others. I know who you're talking about, but I couldn't possibly even try to pronounce or remember his name. Yeah, I think it's Gao something or Gao H. I forget. Yeah, I'm not even going to try. Not even going to bother because we'll just butcher it beyond belief. But yeah, I know exactly that guy in there, and you know you you, they get Vikingo, and they can get Phoenix. I mean, that is like. That's the WCW Cruiserweight division, 20 years evolved. Yeah, right. You know, and, and it can really, like, people like your mother, who just run into the show, can just be blown away by shit like that. Um, and the Chinese are coming, by the way. Even with all this OEW, uh, OWE t- uh, turmoil and everything, um, you know, they're, th- th- those Chinese, they're, it, it's a visa thing, but they're coming. Um you know, so it's like, don't write that off. I know we weren't even sure, but we got some information. Right, that that's still a thing. So, and yeah, they're coming. There's there's a group of a half a dozen Chinese who are, who are coming. So that's happening. And I can't wait because, like you said, that that is going to be something that differentiates them from so many other people. And these guys are just breathtaking, you know, with what they can do. So uh, I definitely cannot wait. And then uh, in our main event here, it was a four team steel cage match. Uh, Pentagon Jr. won the match. You also had Tejano in there. Uh, you had uh, Psycho Clown, Ray Scorpion, uh, Ever- uh, Everno, Dr. Wagner Jr., Chessman, Pagano. It fucking stunk, Joe. It fucking stunk. Really? <laughs> it was so bad. Did it stink to where I need to see it? It's <laughs> no, no. It, like, it was li- like just guys got in the ring and just hit each other with shit for 15 minutes. It fucking stunk. It's the, it's it's when Triple A goes bad, right? Like the, fir- the like the first two the, the prior two matches that I talked about, the prior two three matches I talked about was like Triple A when I love it, when it's just like good hot work, good action, you know, fun crowds, and then it's just like dudes getting in a ring and hitting each other with shit. <laughs> it's like, my God, it just it was so bad. Like, and, and especially you know Pentagon being in there and knowing what Pentagon's capable of, and he's just in there just hitting guys with you know cookie sheets and chairs and stuff it's it's pretty bad man it's uh yeah i not for me i'm sure somebody out there is listening and saying they loved it or whatever uh that's not my triple a that's not triple a that i i enjoy so triple a's uh you know it can be plundery but this was just not fun no no this this yeah i think the problem was with the cage match aspect of it it's just like everybody was stuck in the cage and that kind of hurt as well so it's like you know there wasn't a lot of room there was a lot of people in this cage you know so like guys would just kind of get hit and I don't know. It it just yeah. It, it it stunk. I don't think you're gonna like it. I know Ricardo gave it two stars. He didn't really like it much either. So I'm um, never gonna watch that. I'm gonna no. Don't it. don't watch it. Don't watch it. Watch Phoenix and Omega, which you saw and watch the Copa Antonio Pena and then don't watch anything. Yeah, else, so. definitely gonna watch that. So, but otherwise, uh, pretty from what I saw, pretty fun uh, last half of the show. And I heard some good stuff about the uh, the early part uh, of the show as well. So definitely uh, want to check that out if you get a chance to see it all. And then. Uh, 
I think that's it for us here today. So uh, again, you, as you mentioned, uh, AW NXT reviews up on the uh, the Patreon side, patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. I know you went into a big discussion about Jim Ross, which I cannot wait to listen to because I have very similar thoughts about Jim Ross. But uh, we had to do, I'm a little tired now. I don't know if I have the passion to, to rip on Jim Ross. So go listen to that because, Joe, you did, what, 40 straight minutes of ripping on Jim Ross? I looked at the counter. I think by the... I don't know if I did – well, I mean, by the time I got to the review portion of the show, it was the 40-minute mark. But Fuck remember, yeah. I talk ratings too. Yeah, so right, right, right. So. I probably did 15, 10, 15 minutes of ratings and like 20, 25 minutes of just screaming right. at Jim Ross. <laughs> so potentially 20 to 30 minutes of Joe screaming about Jim Something Ross, which, which I am in for because he fucking stinks and he's terrible and he needs to go away. So I uh, said it at the time too, but you know, it is what it is, but well, well, I'm sure that'll be a discussion for, for another days. Cause I'm doubt he's, he's going anywhere right now and I doubt he's going to get any better. So uh, we'll have another chance to talk about that, but uh, that's it for us right here. Uh, Voices of wrestling.com. Of course, where you want to go to all of our reviews, previews, columns, all that are good stuff, as well as our discord channel. A lot of good discussions going on there right now. Uh, Voice of wrestling.com slash discord to do that. Uh, Joe and I mentioned uh, a lot during the show, voice of wrestling.com slash Patreon. If you go there, and subscribe. Everybody listen to this. Go there and subscribe, and then we will uh, be able to watch Noah a lot more. And Joe will do daily audio, and we will all be much happier people. So uh, just go and do that. That's It's not that hard. Five bucks gets you started. Then we can you know quit our day jobs. That'll be great. Uh, VoiceWrestling.com slash Patreon uh, for that. Uh, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter as well, if you want to follow us on that cesspool of a, of a website. But probably, you probably don't want to. You, don't, you just don't want to. And never tweet. Don't tweet either, because it's a terrible, terrible thing to do. Anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Critch. We'll see you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care.